Decide the topic. From love chat for Matt to the hate in your heart. I can't believe it. There are no limits. You can be nice. I love legends. You can be mean. I don't give a fuck. Or you can blow it all up. Every Wednesday at 9, it gets crazy when you get their number and you can call them maybe. And now, here they are, Matt Christensen and Blonde. Hello and welcome to the show. It is the call-in show, the show where you get our number and we are at your mercy. Hello, Blonde. You were saying before live, it feels like a million years since we last streamed. I don't mean to overlook your your glowingness yes. right away, but uh, I just no. Didn't. People are going to think I'm pregnant. What happened is much <laughs> better than that. Okay. <laughs> before we get to that, of course, we are back at our uh, regular schedule: Wednesday stream tonight, Sunday stream nine Eastern, as usual. Thanks for your patience over the holiday weekend with the altered schedule. I uh, hope everybody had a good 4th of July holiday. I know I did, and I don't know if your experience counts as a 4th of July festivity, but I sense that your life is now divided by this event. There was the before era, and now we have the after era. So what uh, what happened to you this afternoon? Was, so I'm on my way back from Seattle today, like coming into Coeur d'Alene, and my brother texts me. He's like, Mel Gibson is sitting right behind me at this restaurant. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. Um, but, you know, I couldn't – I figured he was joking – because I love Mel Gibson so much and I'm always talking about how hot he is and based and how I like his beard and I don't care that he's had seven wives or whatever. <laughs> and um, I was like, on, on the off chance that he's not lying to me, I will never forgive myself if I don't go and check this out until like, I get to the restaurant. It's fucking Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Fucking Mel Gibson. And I couldn't, you know, I don't want to interrupt his dinner because he clearly, he was wearing sunglasses. He clearly was like having a meal with his family. I don't want to be like, that thing that you said when you got pulled over, you know, so I didn't say anything to him. Um, but, you know, I had to prove that I saw him. So um, I made my parents like circle the block where he was walking and then took a picture of him like a paparazzi. I was going to say, so I received a photo uh, by text and um, it clearly was from a distance away outside. And yeah. and I didn't know if you were in a car. You said you were in a car, but clearly phone zoomed in all the way. So low res. And thick beard sunglasses baseball cap it looks like him but i reserved based on the photo quality and the distance i kind of reserved about 50 percent skepticism but now you're telling me well now you're telling me that you were like within a few feet of the guy he was at the table right behind me like right so i assume you were close enough to hear the voice and everything oh yeah yeah i heard what he was talking about and also it was just Best day of my life. I know I'm married and I have a child, but the day I saw Mel Gibson. I can't believe that you were restrained enough not to invite a conversation, not to be that person. You know, based on the level of fame, the high level of fame that I've achieved, I just, you know, I just wouldn't want somebody to bother I'm me. I'm surprised he didn't come up to you and say, big fan. Love the I know. Stream. I was waiting for it. I'm yeah. like, Mel. I've been on YouTube for six years now. What's the deal? <laughs> Don't, haven't you seen my YouTube videos? All right, Mel. Well, Mel, uh, we know you're listening with your family. All the best in your uh, lovely stay in Coeur d'Alene. And uh, if you'd like to come on the stream, open invitation to Mel. Um, yes. Also, I would um, entertain the possibility of having an extramarital affair with you. Just ah, well, the, leaving the door open. Very kind of you. No, but it's funny because my husband and I have <laughs> talked about this like one celebrity. You have the cheat conversation. The the, the one cheat conversation. Yeah. Mine's always Mel Gibson and his is Jessica Alba. And he has actually seen her 
at a restaurant as well. So. so you both have had the opportunity to assess your picks in person. Yes. Mel Gibson, he's not a tall man, but he truly has the presence of a a world-class anti-Semite. It was... <laughs> okay. Well, and a nice beard by the look of it, too. Such a nice right. beard. It was so thick and scraggly. He's so old. Everything yeah. about it was awesome. It was well, awesome I'm day. glad I'm glad you had a great experience. Um, and before we get into it, uh, I, I made an effort over the holiday to avoid looking at the news. Of course, that yeah. got the best of me. At certain points, I have gathered enough to see that uh, there was a Chicago shooting so bad that it actually counts as news, which is rare. It must have been pretty bad. <laughs> If yeah. uh, if this one is actually talked about. So I've read a little bit about that. I feel like I understand that one. And then earlier today, uh, Georgia Guidestones apparently bombed, blown up, destroyed. I just saw footage of the actual explosion before live. Georgia right. Bureau of Investigation has released that. I have to admit, uh, you know, I, I am a tinfoil novice in many ways. I, I didn't even know what the Georgia Guidestones How? were until today. So don't look to me for great insights on that. But I gather it's. A so-called American Stonehenge, which with a bunch of foreign language globalist nonsense written on it that was erected mysteriously in the 80s or 1980, to be, to be specific. Anyway, uh, thank you for your patience with our lengthy introduction, but uh, we have to have certain stories told, you know? Yep. Uh, but it'll be your usual call-in show event tonight. Uh, if you are new to the stream and you're curious about how to participate... Uh, instructions for how to do that are in the video platform that you're uh, a description of the video platform that you're uh, viewing on right now. If you uh, would like to participate, but you're having trouble getting in live or you can't participate live, but you'd like to participate nonetheless, uh, send us an email question. You can do that through the contact page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact. Uh, look for the call in show question form. We'll get to those at the end of the show as we do each and every week, except for last week when we didn't have a show. That's true. Uh, let's see. Other than that, I think we are ready to hop into the callers. Let's see who's ready to talk. Uh, Adam is up first. Adam, are you there? Hey there. I'm here. What's Hi. on your mind? Hey, just want to say uh, God bless you both. I'm glad to see you guys are moving on up. Are we? Well, thank News you. to me. Is it because oh, of the Mel Gibson YouTube, thing? Oh, gotcha. <laughs> We're still here. Yeah, you're that, still here. That is a mark of success in many ways, and I uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the topic on my mind was uh, how do you guys try to persuade people towards your side of politics? <laughs> I don't anymore. This is a skag question. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe uh, your your question. I suppose there's an argument to be made. You shouldn't, but if you are in the business of persuading. And I, I think that we are truly through maybe Blonde's method is more browbeating, more uh, shame, but shame. It's well, there's still a place a, for shaming and browbeating. Yeah. Uh, no, um, it, I've, I've, I've discussed it before. And the uh, I try to mimic or recreate the the methods of the people who persuaded me and nobody did it by yelling at me. Nobody did it by mm -hmm. shaming me or telling me that I'm an idiot or something like that. Though, you know, as we might discuss, sometimes those things have their place. But uh, really, it was Socratic method type stuff. It was people asking me in good faith why I believe what I believe to try to get at those first principles. What right. are your kind of foundational values? And do you actually extend or maintain those values throughout the rest of your political beliefs? And when I realized that 
I didn't, that I just kind of, I, I had a whole set of beliefs that I couldn't explain with an underlying first principle mm-hmm. or foundational value. Well, the dominoes start falling. And mm-hmm. I, to get to the core of your question, it was people asking me questions in good faith, not trying to get me, not trying to trap me or embarrass me, but just, right. okay, so you believe this. What do you think about that? And that is what got gears in my head spinning and, and got me to change my mind. And the last thing I'll say, and thanks for your patience, is that um, those people who who changed my mind, as I've mentioned earlier as well, I didn't go to them and say, hey, by the way, you changed my mind. Congratulations. And right. I think as persuaders, well, you people, should. I, I, I probably should. You're right. They, they deserve some credit. Um, but the point that I'm making is when that happens, when you actually change someone's mind or get them started on that thought process that leads to a change in opinion, they don't usually come back and tell you that that happened. It happens kind of out of sight. And so Mm -hmm. it's hard for us to see that result. And sometimes it's tempting to think, well, we're not actually changing anybody's mind. We never see it happen. It happens in their own mind behind closed doors. And that's one thing that I I think needs to uh, be remembered as well. Anyway, that was a long answer to get at your point. So I invite uh, your thoughts on the same question. Oh, well, it sounds like in your case, you were um, luckily surrounded by good people who helped lead you in the direction you needed to be in. Yeah, well, yeah, I I suppose people who uh, people who assumed good intentions and good faith on my part. Yeah. Yeah. You having an issue? Oh no no I I'm I'm fine. Um, <laughs> so what I like to do with people is a basically a mental triage. Um, hmm. Figure uh, figure out basically three camps they fit in: those who agree with you, those who don't agree with you, and those who might agree with you. Hmm. Um, if you know who you're talking to, who if you know who your audience is, it changes the tact, the strategy you're going to use to talk to those people. You, you don't talk to your friends the same way you talk to your enemies. Yeah, I suppose that's true. If there, if, if I have to poke a hole in what I just uh, explained, it's that it assumes in, in the situation I described, I'm the one being persuaded. It assumes my good faith. And there clearly are a lot of people without good faith acting in bad faith. Yeah. Right. With, with people you have good faith with, you have good faith dialogues there's an actual back and forth between yeah. two people with people who have uh, bad faith you you don't have a dialogue with them most of the time you're just going to be using rhetoric mm-hmm. because they're not they're not going to agree with you anyway that's true too okay so what are when you do this triage uh what are the sort uh, how do you get that information and how do you judge that information what's the strategy to do that triage um, I mean, it depends on where you are and who you're talking to. Uh, Discord is different than real life, mm-hmm. um, you know. <laughs> um, if they're not, well, I suppose if they're not being antagonistic towards you, uh, that's the easiest tell. Um, you're not, like, if you are having a debate between, uh, you know, a Christian and a non-Christian, if they keep saying that your God is false, well, they're probably not coming to you in good faith. They're they're trying to say that you're what you believe in is entirely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting you brought up the Socrates 
because uh, I'm always reminded of Plato's cave because yeah. there's those people who want to be chained up in the shadows yeah, and looking at the, uh, the smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's freeing those people, them just ruins their life. Right. And there's those people who see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and they want to keep going on out. And then there's those who've gotten out of the cave entirely. Yeah. Well, oh. uh, before we, uh, wrap up this conversation. I'm curious how you handle how you handle those people who are antagonists. Do you even bother when you make that triage judgment of this is a hostile person? Do you abandon all attempt uh, all attempts to persuade or what is your approach in that situation? Uh, it depends. Um, sometimes I will just use mockery. I'll just make fun of the person because okay. that's what they deserve. Um, if you uh, listen to Christ talking about uh, doing, you know, giving out the good message. There's some people who will never agree with you. And if they if they aren't going to agree with you, you need to shake the dust off of your shoes and then leave the town. Le- leave those people alone because mm-hmm. you're not going to do any good for them because there's no good in them. Okay. Well, uh, mockery is arguably the greatest weapon. Uh <laughs> In, well, in favor Christ of the truth and against the, uh, against tyrants, yeah. Even Christ mocked the Pharisees. He said, "You hypocrites, you sons yeah. of the devil." Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, you just uh, keep in mind when you're trying to persuade people. Keep in mind who you are talking to. There's yeah. some people who are worth your time. Some people who are not worth your time. And you got to figure out. You know, you got to be as uh, as subtle as serpents and as uh, as innocent as doves. All right. Well, thanks for the thoughts. I appreciate it. Alrighty. Have a great night. You have a blessed day. You Thank too. You. Okay. Next up is Meadily. Meadily, are you there? Hey, Matt. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, I'm kind of upset because uh, we were supposed to meet this weekend. I had this whole truckload of short barrel rifles and bump stock uh, for you to pick up. And- <laughs> oh my God. I, I've... I must have forgot to put a reminder in my phone. My mistake. Ah, it's okay, you know. But uh, we'll meet up in the same spot. Wink, wink. I'm not a fed. Got it. Well, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. I will I'm put kidding. that. Uh, I'll set oh, a reminder hey, right now. Thank fed, you. Fed, 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 fed. I know you guys have probably heard it, but Timcast has been mentioning you like several times now, saying yeah, several several times. There were more times. I know that we were name dropped when Frank was on, but yeah. were there more times than that? Hello. Oh, did, I, did we lose you? Well, can you I kicked off. Can you hear us now? One second. All right. <laughs> well, while we uh, let's give Meadily a second to try to reconnect here. Hello. Oh, there we go. Can you hear us now? Shit. Okay. I'll have to. Uh, I'll drop Meadily in the tech problems. I apologize I, for that, Meadily. Uh, I could hear him fine, and he could yeah. hear us earlier, but then I guess he can't hear us uh, now. Whatever happens, so we'll see if uh, dangerous spaces can sort it out. Uh, but yeah, I, as far as Tim pool, I didn't, I haven't heard that we were name dropped more than just the, the Frank episode. So that would yeah, be news either. to me. And I realized I moved on from the last conversation without giving you the opportunity for team browbeat. Did you want to make the case for, I suppose the caller talked about mockery, but did I miss anything on the other side of persuasion that I may not have mentioned? Well, the shaming tactic, uh, it doesn't genuinely get somebody to change their mind. 
it just gets them to conform to social pressure, which is good enough for me, ah. but I bet it's not good enough for you. So in you're terms looking of like to, legit changing minds, uh, I don't really give a shit about that. Would it be fair to say you're you're looking to instill humility or something like that? That's like just, a nice way of putting it. Got it. Um, That's interesting. No, I, mostly I just want people to stop talking about. Like I, I was talking to some people this weekend, some leftists about this like this this gay thing and they were talking about how like gay people don't feel safe in in our society and i i couldn't help myself i was like well you know they actually kill gay people in muslim countries like you guys know that right so you went for it well come on yeah what am am i gonna do here um and they seem like totally shocked that i would even say something like that What what i'm trying to do is not necessarily change people to people's minds but i want them to be embarrassed uh, for saying certain things in public. Well, they can it, think whatever they want. It's also a totally unreasonable expectation to have everyone... Um, you walk out in public and assume everyone approves of you or even respects you. I guarantee, Whenever you go out in public, there's someone looking at you thinking, wow, what a stupid pair of shoes. Yeah. Wow, what a short guy. Wow, what a fat guy. Whatever they're right. thinking in their head. Or in this case, wow, that guy looks gay. Or... What Point a dumb is, homo, yeah. There's nobody, this idea that that us uh, straight white males, we just are respected everywhere we go. No, not really. And in fact, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the shit talking among people is is kind of a sign of, um, ironically, like a sign of respect too. The idea that you can poke fun at somebody uh, shows confidence or, or shows, um, I don't know, it's, the ability to... Take someone making fun of you is is a is a demonstration of confidence you kind of have to have. That's right. It, it, and do you find yourself uh, just unable to even present arguments to somebody if you find them too dumb? Like just the fact that I'm I'm willing to um, press you on something should really be a compliment to your intelligence. Hmm. Otherwise, why would I bother if I don't think you're convertible? Yeah. Well, uh, so do you before we move to the next caller, do you feel like you changed a mind or instilled any humility with this well hopefully the children yes ah got it they know a lot about throwing gay people off of the tallest tower (laughs) in several (laughs) yeah yeah some of the moms are gonna have to walk that back well they invited the conversation i guess yeah the children did i thought the moms did you're saying the kids did no it it was mostly kids all right i'll just leave it at that (laughs) <laughs> this is blonde's like reverse drag queens this is based story hour for, i know i'm yeah. like sit down <laughs> uh i know a fat guy are you there yes what's on your mind oh uh, first thing dangerous spaces was curious if he needs to bring Mealy back or something like that because he's uh, yeah so the person was let me um I will I will bring Mealy back into the tech room and I will follow up with dangerous spaces after this call thanks for letting me know Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, how do you like the pause before the, the real pain of the recession hit? The pause is now? Like, we're getting a little lull. The, the, the gas oh prices God, are down. Oh, my God, it was so expensive this weekend. I went to get some sandwiches, like two sandwiches and a side. It was $70. For two sand? Where did you go? This place on Vashon Island. It, we got fried chicken, a sandwich, a side, two drinks, $70. What the hell? All right. You, but you, So... I know a fat guy. I know you're well economically versed. And uh, so you're saying that this is sort of uh, a, a calm before the storm. Yeah. So it's actually going to get worse. We're not going to see improvement. 
Well, okay, next week uh, the CPI numbers come out. They're going to be probably about the same, 8.5. Mm-hmm. But the big events are going to happen later this month. On July 28th, you'll get the uh, GDP numbers for the second quarter, and they're going to be bad. Probably 2.5% negative. Okay, so then okay. official recession. It will be declared. Yeah. But there's another thing that's kind of flying under the radar. You remember all that fertilizer talk at the beginning of the year? I sure do. Hmm. The farmers will start reporting in what they think the crop yields are going to be. Okay. And those are going to be poor because of this fertilizer issue. Well, I I can only extrapolate from my little garden I have that if you don't fertilize it, the yields are down. Yeah. And if you look at some of the prepper uh, homepages, they're all telling you, like, the farmers are trying to warn you now. The farmers are trying to warn you now. Okay. So we're going to have combination... This is going to be uh, inflation sustained, but food supplies in even shorter supply than they are currently. Yeah, the way, the way I see it, it's going to be either like food prices are going to go up another like 20, 25 percent. That's kind of like best case scenario. Yeah. Worst case scenario, hundreds of millions of people are about to die. <laughs> Oof. Wow. Yikes. Well, don't worry. They're going to be in third world countries. You know, if you're yeah. if you're in a food negative country, you know, you you'd be sweating bullets. Wow. Okay. So, uh, do you have any, uh, of course, non official advice, financial, food storage, or otherwise, for people who are concerned? What What can people who may not be adequately prepared now do today would, in an, ahead of this uh, storm that you're forecasting? Well, I would say if you're if you're just interested in prepping a little bit. Uh, Every time you go to the store, maybe buy a can of something extra and just yeah. kind of like put it in a pantry away. Hey, or that's a good like way that. to do it. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff like that. Uh, if you if you can find a local farmer's market so that you have like direct access to the farmer. Mm. Um, as for like money uh, issues, you know, find someone who's prepping who doesn't believe in gun who believes in gun control. That way, you know, you have someone you can raid. <laughs> That's smart. I like that strategy. That's thinking. But, um, it, you know, you just kind of like, it doesn't hurt to like build connection with like your neighbors or whatnot. So you can mm-hmm. kind of pool your resources if, if, if bad things come, cause that's really where it's going to come down to. If the government can't really help you, you really need to have a, some kind of community focus. Yeah. Okay. That's all smart. Did you have any, uh, final thoughts before we let you go? Yeah. You know, New York's response to the, uh, uh, the Supreme Court ruling was to go from a subjective reason standard to a subjective <laughs> character standard. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't read about this in detail, but from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they can't do the uh, the the old standard, which was proper cause, as in you need to show the state why you're at a special danger to require self-defense. So now the new law that they've passed is that you need to show good moral character, which is to be judged by, I believe it's three years of social media history. Is that great? And and an in-person interview. Oh, what if you're not on social media? Can you still pass? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have to surrender all your social media accounts, 15 hours of like in-class studying plus two hours of range time. And plus she listed basically the entire phone book of, public places so basically if you want to be able to use your your license like i actually do have one the business has to put a sign in front saying okay you're allowed to do it here 
Are you serious? Oh my god. Yes. Okay. Well, basically, yeah. Wow. And a lot of this stuff sounds like it would be struck down by the Supreme Court for the same reasons that the proper cause requirement was struck down. But of course, what if that's the way that it goes, that's going to take what? A year or two, maybe more to get to the Supreme Court. And in the meantime, Kathy Hochul and her friends have just found another way to uh, prevent everyday people from exercising their Second Amendment rights. Yeah, there there is the possibility that the New York courts will do it, but kind of unlikely. Right now, I guess the um, the kind of motto is try to enjoy the mass shooting or the rape you are being involved in. Ah, yes, that's uh, I suppose that is the legal uh, way to handle it in the state of New York. All right. Well, Godspeed there. Uh, I take it you're in the state of New York. Yeah. Well, you said you said you have a, a permit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't like the fact that you have to actually list your handguns. So I'm pretty sure that the government has a list of like the gun, the handguns I have. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the information as always. Have a good one. Thanks. Okay. I'm going to bring in dangerous spaces just to uh, see if we can get some clarity on uh, Meadily. I know I'm going to surprise him. Dangerous spaces. Are you there? Hi. Sorry, I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot, but um, I just wanted to check in with Meadily because he had some tech problems and we were hoping to get him back. But uh, uh, last... I did have him ready to go and he just randomly dropped again. He was there okay. for like a good five, five minutes or so. And then he just dropped. I'm just waiting to see if he gets back in the all right in the waiting room. So I do have Wicked is ready to go. OK, so you cool. Should be able to pull him in. Yeah, we'll do um, that. And if you see Meadily, just uh, just grab him. Okay, now Ratchet's having problems as always. It's it's kind yeah, of annoying. That's kind of his bit. What you might have, what I might get you to try to do tonight, if you rem- if you remember it, is pull him directly from the waiting room because I did that and he seemed right. to work. Straight all right, so away. I'll, I'll do that after Wicked. All right. Okay, no worries. All right, thank you. No problems. And uh, thanks to the listeners for bearing with our uh, on-air production issues. But remember, before Dangerous Spaces, this is how it was all the time. that's true so he's doing great work much appreciated as always and uh, next up is wicked masshole mr masshole are you there or miss i won't presume all right i'm I'm here hello what's what's on your mind well i was gonna talk as you can guess from uh, my name i'm in a in a blue state and i find it and this story a while back uh donald trump endorsed this dan cox guy from maryland which Mm. is okay fine but it's maryland so, you know, unelectable, like that argument gets thrown out a lot because so-and-so is unelectable, but this guy, it's Maryland. And so Larry Hogan endorses Robin Bicker. Mm. And this reminds me so much of my own state where uh, he endorses this guy, uh, Jeff Deal, who got defeated decisively in the Senate race and uh, is a very right-wing guy, but uh, like clearly going to lose the gubernatorial race if he wins the nomination, which is kind mm. of annoying. And she's running against this other guy, uh, Chris Doty. And if you di- if I didn't know about Jeff Deal, I would have thought, ooh, this guy, he seems a little too conservative for Massachusetts because he's talking about a gas tax holiday. He's talking about we need to simplify doing business because I'm a guy who actually worked in a manufacturing facility and I made that work. And uh, no, he actually had to meet his budget. He couldn't uh, run a massive deficit because then he goes out of business. And okay. he's talking about safe communities, uh, support the police, you know, whole nine yards, right? But nope, nope, Donald Trump has to endorse uh, the guy who supported him in 2016 and uh, super right-wing guy. 
It's like, I don't have a problem with someone being right-wing. I'm super right-wing. But the thing is, it's like, you have to know where you are. And right. you know, running against this Maura Healy chap, I don't know if you heard her. She sued Donald Trump like a hundred times. And it would be one thing if she disagreed with him and she saw a bunch of lawsuits that she thought were worth filing mm. and there was a legitimate legal reason. But uh, she she went like zero in a hundred or something ridiculous. Wow. And he had... So well, so if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, uh, you are you're critical of not taking a practical approach here. Yeah, and like, the premise being that these candidates. <laughs> well, I guess the premise being that these candidates could win, and I don't know yeah. a lot about uh, Massachusetts politics. You'll have to tell me. I, I know well, they imagine. had a um, a Republican quote unquote governor recently, or do they still? Oh, they yeah, they still had a Republican governor. Okay, uh, I. They've had two or three Republican governors and one Democrat governor who got two terms. What does that but, mean uh, in Massachusetts, though? Is it just uh, the progressive agenda at the speed limit, so they say? Or is it something, is well, it actual sort of. I mean, positive policy? I mean, there was this one person who was talking about how important climate change was and how we needed to break the will of our uh, of your neighbor who's resisting because they were going to raise the cost of living Break and all their that. Will. <laughs> They're doing but, a great yeah, job was, of breaking will right now. Yeah. And then, and then Charlie Baker was like, uh, nope, that guy's fired. And so ah, he, more, he so would we, be hiring people like that. Okay. So we and have cut down on the, like the on the radicalism, I suppose, but yeah, especially on economic stuff. Well, uh, and, and I, I don't know, blonde, maybe you have some thoughts on this, but I guess the question is, is it better to let Massachusetts burn by its own progressive policies or is it would you rather have something that might just be progressivism light at a more slow pace um well go ahead well i certainly understand that concern and uh, charlie baker uh, he's not exactly a hardcore right winger but he did veto the uh row act which was uh, basically they decided massachusetts isn't pro-choice enough which is uh yikes and, he vetoed uh, it because it went too far on abortion, yeah, as in exactly. too far in uh, in allowing abortion, or too far in yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, also, he vetoed this uh, bill that was going to give driver's licenses to illegal aliens. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, also, there wasn't going to be any distinction between an illegal alien driver's license and a real driver's license. Good so, lord! You okay. know, voting. So uh, yeah, and he said no. That's too far. And well, we're not I, even I, gonna have that. If I, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get at, and this is kind of where I'm inviting Blonde, is are those wins or I guess what what you're qualifying as wins sound to me like stopping losses. And <sighs> I, believe me, I understand the benefit of that. I argue in favor of that quite frequently. But at some level, that sounds kind of un, unsatisfying or insufficient. <sighs> you know? I don't know. I, I think you have to allow people to be crushed under the weight of their own political mistakes. What's going to, who's going to benefit from holding these states up that are making these grave errors? Well, I mean, it does uh, help get the libs to say, okay, this is, this is a bit much because I mean, think about what Ron DeSantis is able to do to Florida, mm -hmm. right? Because he's actually able to make the Republicans do stuff. And if they had a Democrat governor, they'd just say, oh, we're not going to work with it. We're just going to slow him down. Mm -hmm. And now imagine that, but on the left, and that's what you're going to get with Maura Healy. She has all sorts of insane policies. It's like, She's doubling down on criminal criminal justice reform, and we know what that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, same-day voter registration with illegal aliens that have driver's licenses. Oh, wow, that's not going to end badly. And right. making voting more accessible to people who are incarcerated. Okay, not even... Okay, someone gets out of jail, they pay their debt to society, that's one thing, but... Yeah, what? 
who are incarcerated. What, Currently car- incarcerated. How, more accessible. I, I was under the impression they don't and can't vote. And what is Massachusetts law on this? Uh, uh, like forget the, the debate is usually about felons not about in, felons right? yeah not people who are convicted and serving a prison sentence yeah i don't i mean i don't know i don't know massachusetts law for all i know they do vote but yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be pretty shocking if they please mail the prisoners yeah, more ballots. Uh, I could see them running on that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not in saying Massachusetts, you're... every yeah. citizen 18 and older is eligible to vote as long as they are not currently incarcerated for a felony conviction. Oh, okay. So there's the distinction. Yeah, but it's like, come on. Yeah. And then she, of course, her global warming stuff, which is economically ignorant. And like I said yeah. in that one super chat, it's like, I understand that most socialism gets overused, but some of these Democrats are just completely off the wall. Meanwhile, we have a guy who actually operated a business. And do you know how hard it is to not only run a manufacturing facility in America, but in Massachusetts? Right. Where, uh, outright like, impossible. Labor's- Smith and Wesson like- was doing it for a while. They're, they're leaving a lot of their operation now. It, yeah, it was astonishing to me that uh, a gun manufacturer, no less, could survive yeah. in Massachusetts up until now. Yeah. He's not quite as impressive as that, but still, manufacturing in Massachusetts. And this guy is going to take his executive skills and graciously grant them to the whole state, which is yeah. very cool. Like, no, no, we want Jeff Deal because he's a hardcore Trump fan. It's like, this is Massachusetts. Like, I, and here's the thing. This guy straight up said, like, it was on this uh, call thing. And he straight yeah. up said that he was going to appoint people to get rid of, quote, unquote, this ideology, referring to critical race theory. So okay. because the uh, governor of Massachusetts appoints the people who are responsible for all the public institutions, and he's not accountable to anybody. He can appoint whoever he wants as long as they graduated from there. So he can appoint people to get rid of all the wokeness. It's like, I mean, again, in Massachusetts, you have a guy who is the moderate who says he's going to appoint people who are going to clean out the wokeness. It's like, that's a big win. Come on, be practical. It's like, yeah, it all annoys right. me as somebody who's like, has connection to this fair state of Massachusetts. Like, well, all right. I don't want it to get wrecked. Well, Godspeed to your state. And I, 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 I admire your willingness to fight for it. So I hope that, uh, yeah. hope that you're successful. You can get it turned around. Appreciate the thoughts. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Okay, we are uh, due for a break. Already. Yes. Uh, I think we're good on Tippy Stream and DLive. Yeah, it looks good there. So if you can just catch us up with YouTube for a minute and we'll get right back to the calls. Sure, Holden Mulray. Hi, Muchachos. There was a recent show question regarding the eff- the value of effort given life's temporary nature. That was last week. Mm. Or, yeah. Um, Matt seemed to find it thought-provoking. Matt, I've long thought you would enjoy Ecclesiastes. Um, and I believe this next one is related as well. I know you've got the John study going, but Ecclesiastes is a fairly short book, uh, philosophical in nature and enjoyable to just read and think about. There is nothing new under the sun. God bless. Um, I'm sure you'll get there. Yeah, if I recall the chat, it was it was very concisely phrased, the idea being if everything that you are and everything that you ever build will eventually turn to dust or eventually cease to exist. What's the point in pursuing or building it at all? And I think that's a really interesting moral question uh, that I'm sure uh, the Bible probably has a lot to say about. So perhaps we will get to that. And of course um, we are starting with John's gospel, which is a good place to start. uh, But that does, uh, my intent is to carry on uh, as long as I and the community (laughs) find value in it. So uh, it's certainly possible that we will go into other areas after the Gospel of John, and uh, to be honest, I hope so. It's um, it's been a success so so far, and 
it has me thinking. I'm, I can't report any drastic changes in perspective, but we've been doing this for a month. So, uh, so I look it's forward to like working to, out. You got to do it for six months before you see a difference. Maybe, maybe that is the threshold, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, even if, even if I hated it, which I, which I don't clearly, I, I find value in it and I'm glad that the community does as well. Um, you, you I agree that you got to stick with it, uh, regardless to give everything a, a fair shake before you decide if it's for you or, or not, but I certainly wouldn't bail on something after, right. uh, just a few, just a tiny little bit of exposure to it. So, um, so I'm sure we will get to those other areas of the Bible anyway. Uh, thank you, Holden. Daniel Zermino says, you guys have my total respect, super consistent, intelligent conversations, and funny, never miss a show, rock on. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Thanks for keeping us up and running. Um, what movie were we watching this week? It is The Lion King, the 1994 oh, original, which I, um, of course, have seen many times, but I have not rewatched yet in preparation for the bit. So you're rewatching movies that you've seen a bunch of times? Unless I saw it really recently. Okay. Uh, so in in all so far, in every case, I've watched it in preparation for the review because there's nothing that I had just seen that came up. But you know what movie my family forced me to watch last night? So I've finally seen uh, and perhaps I, they were surprised that it hadn't come up yet, that it hadn't been nominated or picked Fargo. Finally oh, really? watched Fargo. Did you like it? Um, Yeah, without I, I it was one of those movies where I kind of. I, I want I mean, it's such a mode now where I see a movie and I think about what I would write if I were to review it. And uh, there's lots of things I could say about that movie, mostly positive. On the other side of the coin, uh, we went and saw the latest Jurassic Park. My wife and I did in did theaters. You? Did you hate it? It is one of the, not not only the worst. Jura- I won't say many spoilers because I know not everybody has seen it. But I will say, at least in my opinion, not only the worst Jurassic Park by a mile, I'm talking sub Jurassic Park three, one of the worst movies I've ever seen without spoiling. It it enrages me because it's just it's very poorly written and presented in a whole bunch of ways, but in several key ways that undermine the original logic and premises of Jurassic Park. Really? I I walked out of that theater. I'm like, God, I want to sit on my computer and write all a bullet point list. And my wife was just enraged because we have to drive like an hour back home. So, you know, we're far away from the theater. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't stop talking about all the different ways in which I hated that movie. So (laughs) perhaps that'll come up later. Anyway, thanks for your patience Um, with that side story. Great story. Compelling and rich. All right. We will get back to your... uh, your chats at the top of the hour. Appreciate you guys. And, um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Let's see. Next up. Well, he says ratchet is here, but he says, grab ratchet first. I'm trying. Can I hear you though? I know we always oh. have tech issues. Oh, I got you. Oh, hello. Hi. Yeah. Can you? Oh yeah. Okay. I see David, you were, t- you're not ratchet. You were telling me to grab ratchet. Is that what you were doing? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, dangerous, dangerous was saying that, Got it. Ratchet was having some tech po- problems and that, yeah. you know, I you, thought you, you guys were, were working ratchet. on that and then you might be, if, if Ratchet was having too many problems, then you might Got pull it. me in. And, and Tell you <laughs> what, I will say, I was confused. I thought you were Ratchet. So I will set you back with Dangerous Spaces and I'll come back to you after Ratchet. Sound good? Sounds great, man. Thank you. Okay, let's try Ratchet Republican. Ratchet, are you there? You have anything? Nope. Ratchet. I'm going to try this once more. 
Hatchet. Are you there? I got nothing, you. Okay, we will put him back in the tech problems room. Okay, David, we don't have Ratchet, so uh, you're up if you're ready. David? What's happening? I don't have anything off him, do you? Now I have nobody ready to go. So what's going on? I guess we have to talk to each other. Ooh. What do you want to talk? You want to talk about how much I hated Jurassic World Dominion? Yeah, sure. Some more? Yeah. I can't, well, I feel bad because I can't really do that without spoiling. Who for was people. even in this? Oh, well, that's the thing is all of them. So you had Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm. You had Sam Neill as Alan Grant. You had what's her face. Uh, uh, I always confuse her with Helen Hunt. She's not Helen Hunt. She's uh, Laura Dern. Laura Dern as Ellie Sattler. And then you have the, the and then you have all the new people. You have um, uh, what's her face, Ron Howard's daughter, and you have Chris Pratt. Oh, um, oh, Bryce Dallas right. Howard. Bryce Dallas. Howard. They're all in it. They're all in it. Um, but I, here's what I here's another thing I can say without spoiling. It's not overtly quote unquote woke. I hate using that word, but okay, that's something. But it is in ridiculously subtle ways, as in every single. Uh, hero and savior and every single black character in the movie is a hero or a savior there's no it's all these like (laughs) ridiculous black savior characters that are in the movie and you can tell okay this person was selected to save the day solely on account of his or her demographics that's why this is happening and it's you can see it coming a mile away. I was joking as we were laughing in the theater. It's like, okay, this situation is bad. It's going to require two black people to get out of this one. Sure enough, both of the black people show up to to help them. Um, and it's yes. it's really gotten to that point. Of course, am I going to sit here and be mad that uh, there are good, as in like morally good black characters in this movie? No, that's not my point. My point is that if you ever wanted to have a black villain those days I think might already be gone. They'll come back. Yeah. It's, it's uh, my point. The point is you can see the race of the person and know the role they're going to fill because it's so scripted in that way. Yeah. yeah. And this movie fits that anyway. Let's see uh, what else we can do here. Uh, Ratchet. Are you there? We'll try one more time. I got oh nothing. My God. Okay. <laughs> let's Show try canceled. Let's try David again. We had a good run. David, are you there? Okay. Uh, Nick, let's try Nick. Nick, are you there? Yeah. Oh, I'm right. already in. Lucky yeah. Nick. Well, we no, you can't hear the other people, so you're up. Oh, well, hot dog. It pays to play from a computer. How are you both uh, I tonight? guess so. Well, we are well, and thank you for the reminder to the audience that uh, desktop and laptop most yeah. commonly work much better than uh, mobile. So quit thank you for... A, quit being a bunch of schmucks, you cheap bums, with your <laughs> fucking boost mobile phones. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, yeah, what's on your mind? Uh, not a whole lot. I um, I did want to. I'm not gonna do like the fourth installment of uh, Rules for Radicals, but oh, I yeah. did enjoy Blonde last time telling me to get off the fucking call before I enlightened her to realizing that Charlie Kirk is actually helping draw her more of an audience. Oh, did uh, I say that to you? I'm sorry. It was in jest. No, I no. you know what? It was totally fine. I respect it, Blonde. Your candid demeanor is what makes you great. 
Thank you. I just I just hate Charlie Kirk so much. <laughs> well, he's all part of the portal, and I wanted to uh, promote, I have in no way any ties to this, my favorite part of the portal, which Blonde actually introduced me to, and Matt, I doubt you've seen this, but you should if you haven't, hmm. which is Murdoch Murdoch. Oh, I, oh, I yes. have seen, yeah. You have seen this. I wouldn't What's say your that I'm. Um, on it? <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm an avid viewer, but I have seen enough uh, to to get the gist. And mm-hmm. um, I, I've, it seems like a very very spicy cartoon series. That's that's <laughs> what I can say about it. It's very spicy, but yeah. with a lot of morality and some truth, even. I I haven't to be honest I haven't seen enough episodes to say oh I agree or I disagree um but can I see the uh comedic value or even the serious value that people find in it sure I get why people like it yeah All right that's excellent well yeah I uh I did want to let the audience know that they should uh, I'm sure half of them have probably seen it out there but for the other half the ones who have not it is kind of like your you're with like three super based friends who say things that your normal friends wouldn't say because it's too over the line. And they sometimes mm. say the N word. Oh no. Yep. Um, but all in all, I, I mostly just the wanted N-word. to chill for them and try to tell everybody that they can go to uh, like Murdoch, Murdoch.net or Murdoch dash Murdoch.net, uh, which are both websites that people can, look at to find episodes and um is it still have, in production actively? it's not so i oh. think i they had their like super long finale ballad which was guardian of the rune which was basically them taking on the uh the mythos of the holocaust <laughs> via okay via right. via their lord and commander uh and frank and um I think that was their last episode. I haven't seen anything of them ever since. Wow. But okay. uh, But if you're out there in the audience and you haven't seen it and you want a seven-minute episode of something to make you laugh, strongly recommend it. If you would like short, digestible, historical <laughs> demonstrations and presentations, huh? Mm-hmm. With a lot of hard truth in there. Got it. <laughs> yeah, so... That's uh, that's really all I gotta say. Blonde, what what's your take on it? You're being a little quiet on it, and uh, Murdoch, uh, Murdoch. You've, yeah, you've promoted it in the past. Um, you know, I wish we could get Murdoch, Murdoch into the mainstream, but it's not. I think it's not going to happen. Not necessarily because of the content, although that's going to be an impediment. But I think it's the it's the crude um, animation style. Hmm. But that didn't stop South Park. I think the animation style is endearing. Oh, I like it. I'm just, I'm just, you know, worried about um, barriers to entry. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a stop. Well, I mean, it's low budget, obviously, but it's yeah. like a stop motion animation. Um, it's kind of like a meme that comes to life. If, it is a that is exactly what it's like. Yeah, got it. Yeah. But All right. Anyway, I won't hold you. I hope you both have a great night. And if you Me haven't too. seen that show, uh, give it a give it a gander. All right. Well, thank you, man. All right. Have a good night. Later. Okay, Avo Brady is up next. I always mispronounce your name, so I'm going with Mr. Brady. Hey, that's that's perfect. That's actually my name because I'm a teacher. Well, there you go. Mr. Oh, Brady, what's on your mind? Um, well, Thank you for having me, guys. Good evening. I uh, hope you guys had a great 4th of July. You too. We did. You as well. Uh, 
perfect. Um, I this might be a little bit of an older topic, but and it's not really on the issue of uh, school shootings per se. It's more of like curriculum or you know uh, societal norms. But I was just wondering because you both are parents now. Uh, what you guys plan on doing for your children's education? Do you plan on homeschooling, public school? Is there like private schools do you have in mind? Yeah, I don't know. Have you I thought mean, that far? <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. Have no, I'm thinking about it. It's just so. no, my kids too. Um, I would like to homeschool, but it we might have to send her to school. So I'll yeah. I'll do what I can in terms of research. Hmm. Are you thinking public school or uh, private? Private, hmm. if we can afford it. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, variables. Um, so I we have not made a decision. Of course, our son is not even one yet. So yeah. uh, we have several years. And and, the, and those variables are going to influence our decision. Um, that I would say the one thing that we are in general against um, is, is public school. Okay. But let's say that we move to like some small South Dakota town or some small Idaho town or you know, we move away from where we currently live and it's a small school district. I know everybody there and they're accountable. Uh, it's possible that we would entertain public school in a situation like that. Right. Um, that's the only situation that I think that it, it could happen. Other than that, I think we would, we would, uh, we talk about homeschooling to the degree that it would be feasible. Um, mm-hmm. the, the other variable there is what the situation is for the rest of the kids that we have, if uh, we're fortunate enough to have them. But let's say that by the time my son is five and ready for school, we have uh, say a newborn or we have uh, a couple of very young children. It might, it just might be too much for my wife to handle. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, I think we would potentially look for some kind of private schooling situation. If we could make that happen or, I think what would be great is if you can if you can get involved in one of these homeschooling co-ops where you network with other parents. Yeah, that that's really uh, an attractive option to me because it allows I think it's beneficial for a bunch of ways. And if people aren't familiar, it's the idea with parents with kids who are interested in homeschooling, just network together and they kind of have uh, classes in different homes or different places depending on the topic or depending on who's able to teach what. And I think the benefits there are number one, it eases the burden for the parent. Uh, Number two, it allows those parents to focus on a particular area of study or maybe teach an area of study that they have more familiarity or comfort with. And it doesn't rely on mom to be the expert on reading, writing and arithmetic. Even if you have to do that in an elementary level, it's a lot. Which would be a challenge. I kind of like that. So, those are we we lean we lean you know a homeschool co-op or, or private option over public, but there's so many things that are going to happen between now and then. It's hard to say anything. Uh, yeah. anything Will any public firm. schools exist in future? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, so you mentioned you're a teacher. What's uh, if you're comfortable sharing? What sort of uh, school? What kind of teaching arrangement are we talking? Well, originally when I got my bachelor's, I wanted to be a history teacher and teach mm-hmm. at high school level, but uh, I didn't get my credential in time. I just became a substitute teacher. Ah. And uh, substituting has really been a huge blessing in my life because I've been working at elementary school levels. And uh, I have all of the schools on my contact phone. They know my number. They know all, they all know me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to tell you guys just with what you guys are telling me about your children and what you want your education, their education to be, um, I would definitely tell you guys it depends on the school district because mm. – 
like some the school district for me at least is it has to do a lot with like the people that work in it and how much they care about the kids right because uh the school district i'm in they value the kids ed education but there are some like i don't i'm not gonna name specifics but there are some school districts in my area that don't use uh, a lot of hands-on stuff it's a lot of like technology oriented hmm. and um that kind of makes me sad because i'm a hands-on guy i like to physically teach and present um but you know when you sit kids down in front of a screen and expect them to learn something they they do learn but i mean ah, it's just that's a hit or miss man the, the the school districts definitely if you're looking into public just look around and see you know are there is there curriculum based on like technology or is it like hmm. you know worksheets and tests and no, stuff like that you know yeah that's a variable i hadn't even considered because i'm just thinking like ideological infiltration is my number yeah. one concern and yeah. uh, and but honestly I think... let me tell you dude oh just real quick when yeah, working yeah. at these elementaries i i know libs of tiktok on on twitter and i see all of those crazy videos yeah but at, at my school district at least i don't see that i'm in california wow. i don't see a lot of prideful teachers i do see a lot of mask wearing teachers on but they're not like they're not <laughs> so overt about their politics. They're right. overt about their interests. Aren't like, they though? They are wearing a mask. That tells you every opinion. They're, <laughs> they're telling you every opinion they true, hold. But we're going to see with it. this new school year. We're but it's it. not required at the district. They voluntarily or or they choose to wear it. No, yeah, they lifted it, and I've I've not worn one ever. The a sense, and there's hmm. still people that that wear teachers that wear masks. Well, the, and that. Uh, <sighs> I, I want to be as fair as possible with people with people's personal choices, I suppose. Yeah. But um, but to the point that you're making, um, I do agree that there's something about uh, just uh, filling out a worksheet by hand, I suppose, that can't be necessarily replaced by an iPad. Mm -hmm. But but even more so, I think there's something about the social interaction between teacher and student, even if teacher is mom and student, but just. Yeah. Talking things out and learning social cues of nonverbal communication and facial expressions and all that, yeah. that is just as important developmentally as learning how to do addition, subtraction, whatever else. And if you are choosing to obscure your face and you're talking about like elementary Ooh. level kids, I assume, since yeah. that you'd said, yeah. I just I find that to be a uh, to me, that's more than just a, a personal judgment kind of thing that that is i i think that is of developmental consequence for the kids yeah it's sad for me yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent. that's why I, I don't wear the mask because i want these kids to see my face in its entirety when i smile at them when i'm mad at them and i'm being firm with them they need to know yeah you know in my face and uh but the kids love it like and they love me for that and i'm i can be so much more open and uh just know that you know they're good i don't want to you know brush my own shoulder but like just know that they're good people <laughs> in the school systems, you know, help actually caring about these kids education. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. why I don't, I don't shut the door completely. I I'm willing to entertain like a small school district where I, where I actually can evaluate all the people there realistically. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah, really hard to do in a, even a town like, I mean, Bozeman's a city of about 50,000 people right now. I think that's hard to do here. So I would need someplace smaller, but, uh, but I take your point and I think it's a valid one. Okay, good. Well, thank you for your input, guys. Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, this is, you guys, you guys are long down the road until you have to think about it. But you know, you got that little pin in your head, just in the yeah. corner, thinking. Yeah. Well, well I, I have an idea. Hannah, do I have an idea? Do I want to have an idea? <laughs> God, God, it is a real conundrum. And, yeah. 
Yeah, Godspeed. Speed, guys, Keep your governor out of my state, education. by the way. He's vacationing here right now, and he oh, needs good to leave. Lord, in Montana? Yeah, he needs to leave. He's uh, <laughs> that's like here. the last place I'd. He has a ranch here, I guess, is the deal. Why? Oh, um, why did he just move there? Uh, why? Got, I hope not. Well, thank you, man. Uh, appreciate Anytime, it. Have guys. A good night. It was a pleasure. You have a wonderful rest of your night. Bye-bye. You know, here's another uh, great story while I have so many hits tonight from Jurassic World Dominion and other side tangents. Uh, but this, um, this vid- visit to the pediatrician's office that I can't stop talking about because they had trans propaganda in the pediatrics lobby, and I'm still pissed off about it a couple weeks later. Uh, one other, one thing I didn't talk about, too, is we were sitting in the office, and of course it's uh, or we were sitting in our actual, you know, the, the patient room with the doctor. And of course, uh, the, the rule is masks on when visiting with the doctor. Okay. Well, all right. This is like the one place where I still comply because, you know, that's, that's what you have to do to, to have your appointment, uh, you know, get your appointment done, whatever. Would they kick you out? So, if you didn't? I don't, I don't know. So like we, a lot of the other places, uh, or like during her pregnancy, we'd be at, at appointments with midwives and we'd be in the room and they would tell us like, I don't care if you wear that. You don't care. Yeah. yeah. So they were really cool, but this doctor, whatever. So we're sitting in there and, 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 and to the point of uh, what a kid can recognize on a face, our, our son, he's 10 months old. He, he's just grabbing at mom's mask and he just rips it off and breaks it. Yeah. And she, so she can't wear it anymore. And the doctor says, uh, that's okay. I don't care. And so it was just a, it was a hilarious, every, every, again, everybody's doing this because they think that everybody else well, wants it. And the child is the one who, who rips it off. The child yeah. is the one who's like, you know, and this in is fairness, ridiculous. he grabs at a lot of things. That's what he does at his age. But he's staring at this thing the whole time. Like, where's mom's face? I want to see mom's face. Yeah. Rips it right off, breaks it. Doctor doesn't care. But yeah. um, that doesn't that say something about the importance to children of uh, con- like visual contact with somebody's face, especially mom, I would think. Oh, yeah. But and then just the uh, the ridiculousness of. Okay, if the baby rips the mask off mom's face, nobody cares. There's not a threat here. If mom takes the mask off mom's right, face, right. Defcon. Yeah, we're we're in an emergency situation. So, but anyway, we're not going back there because of the. Uh, I put up with the mask nonsense, the trans pride flag propaganda. No, that was the deal breaker. We're just going to be in a situation where we can't take our kids in for anything but like serious serious like broken bones and things like that yeah he's got a broken arm and i had to put a pride flag cast on it It was the only way to set the bone oh good lord (laughs) all right uh we are just before the top of the hour but it'd probably be wise to take our second break here and then we'll get to the callers right after that uh we are good on d live i think we're good on tippy stream but let me double check and if you're good on youtube go for it citizen kubrick saw a tweet from an academic regarding mass shootings this country cares more about your freedom to kill then your freedom to live. Women should have the freedom to kill, though, apparently. That doesn't even, I'm going to have to read that again. The country cares more about your freedom to kill than your freedom to live. I can't tell if that's a pro-life or a pro-choice uh, argument. Well, and I, I these arguments emerge whenever there's one of these shootings. Are they under the mistaken impression that the, the conduct was lawful? W- right. Why was he arrested and charged with seven counts of first-degree murder? Um, I, I guess what they're saying is, that the protection of gun rights inherently means the deaths of others, that mm. law abiding people arming themselves means that other people will be killed because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. But 
I suppose maybe on Sunday we'll talk about the facts of this shooting a little bit more. Once again, this was a disturbed individual known to police for threatening to kill everyone, having his knives knives confiscated, had threatened suicide. Police and mental health people talked to him beforehand. In Illinois, you have to get what is effectively a state license before you can even buy guns. After all of that, being known to police, he still got one of those licenses because his dad sponsored him. Right. And and Illinois has a red flag law. He complied as far as I've seen with the possible exception of the magazine. I'm not clear on that. It's it's said that he had a quote unquote high capacity magazine. I don't know if that's legal in Illinois or not. I don't know what the legal status is. But other than that, it's my understanding he complied with Illinois gun laws. He didn't go to Indiana as the fable tells us. He didn't hop over to Gary and roll into a gun store and have them illegally sell uh, an out-of-state resident, an AR-15, and cross state lines, bring it back home, Kyle Rittenhouse style, to go murder people. As far as I understand, he got the state license, despite being known to police, he purchased the weapons legally, and then he shot people. Yeah. It's not a case of evading the gun control in Illinois. It was a case of complying, and guess what? He still did it. doesn't matter. He still did it. Uh, and once again, these are all problems that could have been solved at home. I wonder... I have not. I know the parents issued a statement. I've not seen much more than that. But I, I, I have to question what dad is thinking if this is a disturbed son of his who has expressed threats against other people and tried and attempted self harm for you to for you to say, okay, yeah, he should he should be able to. Uh, or I, I, I'm going yeah. to uh, sign him up or sponsor his FOID application, his state. Uh, firearms licensure application maybe the i don't know i mean i i guess on the other side of the coin if you feel like your son had some tough times in the past but he's since recovered and he ought to be able to defend himself like anybody else maybe there's something i'm missing but uh, probably not i think you're being quite fair i guess what i'm saying is there were red flags there is a red flag law to report people like him to police it was not exercised. This is not me arguing in favor of red flag laws, by the way. It's just mm-hmm. saying these legal structures don't really overcome the reality of what appears to be mental illness. And, th- and then number two, again, what appears to be for now, uh, some level of parental lack of oversight. Right. You can't overcome those with the law. It's just never going to happen. You can disarm all the law abiding people you want. You will never overcome those issues with a statute out of your state capital or out of dc yep uh oh it's still my turn um quadraphonic toppling thoughts on jordan peterson now under the daily neocon aka the daily wire umbrella i don't even know that he uh you you sent me you i you knew that because you sent me that uh babylon b uh meme remember right or it's not a meme it was their article but they were so on point about that let yeah, me, well, what did it say? I, I, let me grab it because it was so good. Because I, I responded to you, they never miss. Because they, yeah, they never they're do so miss. They're so right on. So uh, if people didn't see, he's now, I don't know what the terms of the deal are, but he's on the Daily Wire and that's part of their whole package is you get all of Jordan Peterson's archive and he's producing new content over there too. But the headline on the Babylon Bee, quote, life is filled with pain and suffering. And it, is, and it isn't clear to me how one could ease that suffering Without buying bowl and branch sheets for ninety nine ninety nine <laughs> using promo code Jordan, says Jordan Peterson from his right. new Daily Wire Plus show. Yeah. Absolutely flawless. Right on. <laughs> what are my opinions about it? I mean, you know, I'm, what I will say, I, I understand people have a lot of um, 
disputes with the Daily Wire ideologically. They have disputes business-wise. I get all of that. I share some of that criticism, I suppose. But I also understand the value of what they're doing to push back just from a cultural perspective, even beyond a news perspective, to produce entertainment content that isn't mm-hmm. subject to the kind of propaganda that we've seen. And, and um, assembling talent, you know, I, 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 I get that people have their criticism. That's, that's totally fair. But I still see what's going on over there as a, uh, as a massive net positive, at least from my perspective. Um, so, you know, I, I <laughs> it's, uh, I suppose it'll be interesting to see just because I know, I know they do a lot of uh, like the whole daily wire crew. They're all, it's a very tight group of people. They all do their events together and all of this. I wonder if Jordan Peterson is going to be sort of part of that group. Now, will he be included in the in-person Maybe, events we'll and like the round table discussions that they're always doing? And, and how does he fit into that mix? I think yeah. that'll be fun to watch. Uh, we will see Simon Racecheck says, oh, the movie is called Beetlejuice. This whole time I thought Michael Keaton wanted to beat all the juice, <laughs> beat all juice. Sorry. I messed up your joke. I'm sorry. I don't even know. What's that about? What? <laughs> Beetlejuice, beat all juice. Got it. But Michael Keaton, what is the reference I'm missing here? I don't know. Maybe you thought it was the movie of the week. Oh. Uh, should we circle yeah. back? I don't know. It's up to you. Yeah. Is that sure, the final judgment? Else. All right. We will come back to your. Uh, chats at the end of the the Um, stream i'll have to just circle back with you let's see next up is uh bahamut bahamut zero are you there yeah i'm I'm right here what's on your mind sir yeah um my question i have a question and uh it's 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 in regards to the um the will be raid ruling yeah and um uh, do you know any like women, specifically mothers, who are outraged over over the the Supreme Court ruling? Yeah, yeah, it's it kind of blows my mind, but yeah. Yes, uh, I have a brief story on that too, but I will not uh, hijack your call. Maybe I'll tell that in a minute. Uh, did you have more elaboration on that? Are you saying that uh, that motherhood changes perspective, or what's the broader point that you're making? Uh, I, I, I guess it's more the former that, uh, like, like I always thought that, um, like being a mother kind of like change, changes your perspective, but I guess that's not always the case. Hmm. Uh, I know, I know about five mothers who are very outraged over, over the ruling. Yeah. I and wonder, even, um, yeah, even, even, even people like I used to know, like, um, like back in high school. Like they were very upset over the ruling. I saw this is one of the most twisted things that that I've witnessed on this is um, not, I won't name names, but uh, a young woman who uh, I went to college with and we were I mean, we, we had classes together and, and we knew each other. I wouldn't say we were good friends or we had a close relationship of any kind, but um, we were friendly and we, we had classes. And uh, I don't speak with this person. I haven't spoken with this person since we graduated 12 years ago. But I have this person as a friend on Facebook. And so I see all the sort of things that this person and anybody else Uh. posts on Facebook. Okay, so what did she post? She posts an ultrasound photo confirming and announcing that she herself is pregnant. No. Which is what is supposed to be a joyous announcement to the world and was she's announcing this happily to her 
friends and family on Facebook, but it was qualified with several paragraphs ranting about Roe v. Wade and how mothers in her state now will not be given the choice about this life in the way that they ought to. So, so the whole post was about how she felt conflicted in her joyous announcement that she's pregnant, I believe for the first time, but <laughs> like mourning the idea that for so many other women, this is unwelcome news and then they're now trapped right. into it. And I just thought, man, what a, what a bizarre, that is really weird to, to be, to be, somewhat mournful about what is a life-changing event for you because you want other what people were the comments like oh i didn't i didn't bother reading them and and frankly i i didn't spend a lot of time on this because whenever i do look at these kinds of posts for too long sometimes the temptation gets the better of me to comment or and i just <laughs> i don't want to get into that so i, I just moved along i didn't want to didn't want to get involved but yes. now, uh, uh, can I ask like a follow-up question? Yeah, of course. Uh, what make well, what makes you think um, like um, like like white mothers would still be um, I, 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 I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know if I want to say pro-abortion but like pro-choice yeah. or, or like in or like pro-abortion and like in, in extreme cases. I don't know, blonde. That might be a you question because I don't have the maternal experience to. Wait, say it again. Say it again. Yeah, um, like, like, uh, what, um, uh, what makes you think, um, that some mothers will still be like pro-choice or like pro-abortion? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, when you have a child, you see your the father of your child in your child, and so if you don't have a good relationship with your child's father, um, it's going to manifest as a lot of resentment for your hmm. children. And I think that women these days um, with the high divorce rate, I think that has something to do with it. With this a societal uh, judgment upon men that they're inherently abusers and rapists, they see that in often their male children. Um, and then they see them as a, as a burden uh, and a time constraint on like, you know, their me time, which is all the time. Hmm. You have any other yeah, thoughts I, on it? I, I, I guess I'm kind of leaning towards that option. Like, um, like I guess I guess like I guess like women for I don't know how long, maybe like fifty or sixty years, like like being told that about women's rights and like the peak. Like I guess like um, uh, like the like the, the the peak form of women's rights would be like abortion. You get what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I, well, I've often wondered why they care about this one thing so much. And I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's because the height of that power is the definition of what life is. And that if women maintain this so-called right, they are the sole deciders, the sole definers of what mm -hmm, life yeah. is. And there's a lot of power in that. And, you know, when, when my, my wife and I look at our son and think about the, these issues all the time, cause they're so politically hot right now. But the idea that that his life as it exists now, a, a healthy, happy, uh, just awesome little boy, that his the idea that his life as it exists today only exists and has value because my wife decided that she wanted him. Right. That can't possibly be true. It had it had value. Even if she hates him, his life has value. 
But if you maintain that, I would call it a delusion that that mom gets to define and decide what life is. I mean, that's that's the ultimate power, really. Is like you you are above. If if life having value is the foundational premise for all the the world's moral structure, if you usurp that and you in fact define what life is, you control the entire moral framework. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm explaining this well, but you get what I'm saying. Like you've you have taken the foundational premise for all of morality and seized it to your own definition and your own decision making. I think that's why they hang on to it so much. But Ugh, but, but to so your dark. to your point, uh, Bahamut, if it to seize that power at the expense of your own children is something that's even more twisted. To say yeah. that well, it's so important that I hang on to this power that that it would be okay to kill my own kids, let alone other people's kids. It's not okay for that either, but it's, it's, it's really twisted for someone who's gone through that experience to see your little boy or your little girl and think there would have been nothing wrong if I decided to snuff that life out yeah. a few months ago. Uh, uh, well, I, 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 I don't want to uh, uh, waste any more time, but um, uh, that's pretty much answering my questions. Well, thank you for the thoughts. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Bye-bye. The only other uh, story I was mentioning there, and I'll be as brief as possible because I've seized enough time tonight. Um, <laughs> did you see a 4th of July parade at all, uh, wherever you decided to no, go? No, I was on Vashon Island, so it was just fireworks, which I have never done before in my life. Oh, cool. And now I see why um, people like it so much. I bet that was cool. Uh, I was in a small town, Carbon County, Montana. Yeah? And, um, there was a parade? Oh, there was like an hour long parade in this town. Uh, it's a big deal. The parade is a big deal. So it was about an hour long. But the but the first there were only two political floats. There were Carbon County Democrats and Carbon, Carbon County Republicans. And the Democrats Great. were up first. If you had to guess what this float looked like, what would you guess? Like just it just has a giant black dick <laughs> on the front. Am I right? That was the Democrat float. Uh Pretty close. Actually, it was a bunch of fat and old hags screeching about abortion. That's what it was. My body, my choice. They were choice. like actually yelling about abortion? Yeah, and they had the Eastern Montana District, Montana District, is it one or two? I can't remember, but incumbent Matt Rosendale is, they had their candidate to challenge Matt Rosendale, and she's some crazy old hag who's 100% going to lose. And their entire party's float was a bunch of old hags yelling about abortion. And it was so bad that mild-mannered me worked up the courage to go gently from the sidewalk. Boo. All right. I didn't I didn't hassle. All right. I didn't threaten. I didn't even shake my fist, but I did boo lightly. Um, and I didn't know that that there was going to be equal time. So I thought, my God, who they allowed this this float of old hags wanting to kill children into this parade. Later on, the Republican float came by and it was all about they were all wearing MAGA hats and there was some pro-life stuff on it, whatever. I guess you know, it was it was. Whoever runs the parade, that committee, it was not partisan. They allowed both sides to be represented. But even that I, I was wondering, like, all right, fine. They allowed the counter perspective. But should we have this kind of politics in the Fourth of July parade regardless? See, regardless. Yeah, man. And it was such a bad it was such a bummer because. 
small t- small Montana town. I'm talking like a 10 block downtown Main Street. Nothing but patriotic people, red, white, and blue. Everybody out a little bit too much to drink, eating their grilled food, lighting off their fireworks. Just uh, one of those events that's like, all right, this is real Americana. This real is what America. I miss. And they screwed it up with and their And then leftists. you got yeah. a bunch of old fat chicks being carted down the street screaming at you because they might not be able to kill their kids anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm supposed to applaud this. And, and and of course, they have the sign that says, trust women. And I'm saying, I my wife's right here. She disagrees with you. I trust her. You you <laughs> trust her because you married her. So it's, I trust her plenty. She doesn't. She is disgusted by you. Why do you think that all women agree with you? I, I promise you, most in this crowd don't. And they vote accordingly. <sighs> anyway. Another great story for me, compelling and rich. Thanks for bearing with them tonight. No, but that's <laughs> upsetting. Clearly, I've had too much time away from the microphone the last uh, the last week that we haven't been uh, broadcasting. Batman, are you there? I am. Well, I was looking for a white pill, and I fear that I'm not going to get it. What's <laughs> on your mind? Well, it's funny because actually I come with an uncharacteristic white pill. Yes. Today. Right on cue. What do you got? I have... I have definitely noticed that there are more and more people realizing that they're being fed bullshit. It's been that they're being what? fed bullshit Oh, by, you know, various media sources and things like that. Um, and I, I am feeling a sort of cultural shift and maybe it's because uh, I don't necessarily live in one of our big cities or anything like that, but we're watching people flee the city. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, in general, sure. So three years ago, I would never have brought politics up to a stranger. But brought politics found, up to a stranger. I'm, I'm getting a little, you're cutting off a little bit, but sorry, maybe I need to eat the mic a little bit. More. Yeah, maybe better? let's try that. Okay. You, okay, you, you never bring politics up to strangers. You said, yeah, but I've found that I can actually start doing that now. Hmm which is interesting because I live in a blue shithole. Okay. So you've tried people realize that they're being fed crap. Yeah. Watching people flee the cities where the policies that they put in place are creating said shitholes. And, um, we're watching the Supreme court basically take an ax to everything with these power hungry, uh, politicians want to inflict on us yeah right so is this now the pendulum maybe starting to shift the other way yeah yeah totally and then the recession's going to do it too i'm pretty confident that things are going to uh go back into a normal range um destitution is the solution <laughs> destitution will uh... seem that way it will it will readjust your order of priorities and properly reset them that's for sure. All that needs to happen is you need to triple the uh, triple the gas price, and everyone everyone will realize that wow, shit sucks. Maybe we should try yeah, try something new. I saw that uh, Joe Biden was out with uh, what was his? He gave a big speech in Ohio, and he was saying, "Well, the problem is that Republicans have obstructed all of our efforts to bring down the prices of all these products, including gasoline." Which is interesting because I was just told five seconds ago that the president does nothing. To control the price of gasoline. And in fact, 
before we were on uh, Fourth of July break, he was out there, or maybe over the Fourth of July break, he was out there telling uh, the oil company executives to do the right thing and lower the prices and do it now. And I just you can't had, just do you, uh, you see the uh, yeah oh I think you saw that uh, that tweet right and then the response from the U.S. <laughs> oil and gas. I didn't see that. I saw what did they say? Uh, they said we're working on it, Mr. President. Also, please tell the intern that posted this to take Econ 101 this semester. <laughs> another and that top was from their official account. Good, good. I, another <laughs> yeah, uh, top it, it reply I saw was just a guy saying, "Thank you for this." Uh, the gas stations in my town have your no- have notifications for your tweets on, and they immediately lowered the price two bucks. So I appreciate <laughs> it very much. And this morning, you know, I had to I had to fill up the the tank in my lesbian Subaru. And, uh, it's just under a 16 gallon <laughs> tank that it was uh, like 70 bucks to fill the car. Oh Lord. And, um, and I thought about walking in there and telling those gas station attendants, didn't you see the president's tweet? You need you to do the right it. thing and lower the price of this, uh, full tank of gas, at least like 30 bucks. That's, uh, that's well, your patriotic and, duty. And the wonderful thing is like, I mean, what, what are they going to do? Sell at cost? They basically I mean, already I'm, do I'm actually, sell gasoline at cost. They they make so little money on gasoline. They make all their money on, uh, you know, soda and candy all of the and various stuff. knickknacks that you go yeah. to buy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we, uh, we, <laughs> I just I just love the fact that the uh, the oil and gas administration. I can't remember if that's exactly what it's called, but um, that they they basically replied on their official account um, with what sort of comes out to be a, a, a polite fuck you. Yeah, good. They should. Uh, yeah, yeah, this, absolutely. This is, this is excellent to see. I, I, I embrace the uh, the Twitter warfare. That's hilarious. And on Twitter. And on Twitter. I'm, I'm shocked they didn't get banned. <laughs> so Twitter would have to come up with an insane new uh, rationale for banning that. Implying um, they don't do that for a living. Yeah, really. Uh, ban people arbitrarily all the time what is the status of the elon musk thing i don't even know the board approved the deal so my understanding is now it's just the regulatory hurdles so what what is he going to do about the bot percentage is he actually not going to um pull out of the deal as in like force them to prove yeah because that was the that was the thing right he had to force or he that was my last update on the twitter deal yeah you he had told them you need to show how many bots there are or the deal's done something like that I don't know. Well, really, what what needs to happen now is Elon Musk needs to walk into those offices with a machete and a shotgun and start cleaning house <laughs> the proper way. Uh, uh, metaphorically, Susan, that's the uh, that's the that's the proper way. Nobody would uh, yes, consider anything of otherwise. Of course, metaphorically. <laughs> All right. Anything no, else? I, uh, I don't, any other but... Susan bait before we let you go? No, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the thoughts. I hope you had a good fourth. I did. I did. All right. Thanks, man. See you, man. All right. Y'all have a good one. Let's see. 88M up next. 88, are you there? Yes, I'm here. What's on Hi. your mind? Uh, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still deciding. That's the problem. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, what are you contemplating? Uh, the phrase that our you know, ultimate you know, power corrupts mm-hmm. or how great men don't want somewhat destroy the future for us how great men what destroy the future somewhat 
I, I'm, I'm having yeah, you're breaking up a little problems. bit. One more so, time. How, uh, like, great generals ah. ruin the military. Great generals like, ruin the military. You talking yeah. currently or historically? Historically, from World War II. Like who? Hmm. Uh, Eisenhower, uh, MacArthur, Bradley, some of these great generals from World War II. Okay. Oh, put in uh, political positions? No, uh, how they they came great generals from West Point. What you know, West Point right. produced made them. But then they said, oh, yeah, West Point made me. Okay. I, I'm not sure I follow totally. I, I think you... it's the idea that we can create more great men. Like there's, if we just put the recipe together again. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So the question would be, are great men born or are they manufactured or created? Yeah. Well, the, I sp- the idea we can manufacture great men. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose, uh, I suppose the truth is probably both. I think that there are, there are men born with the uh, predisposition and the, and the character and the physical strength traits uh, necessary, but, but even all the greatest natural attributes, you could be the smartest, strongest, best uh, guy ever. But if you lack the sort of um, character, character qualities that can be cultivated, you, you might not be a great fighter or leader. I suppose maybe that's what they're getting at, that West Point, without West Point, they wouldn't be who they are. They might be okay. someone strong or someone smart, but maybe they wouldn't be a great military leader. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. This is the problem is like MacArthur, he was the, he came to Commandant at West Point. Uh-huh. And when he was Commandant at West Point, he said, you know, I have three words that I like to say to myself, duty, honor, country. Mm-hmm. And they like, oh, hey, West Point. If that's good for me, it should be good for you. So adopt that. Oh, okay. So you're, you're saying they impose things on West point. That's what, that's what created problems. And then it manifests in the way that they, um, that they work and the way that they manage the troops. Hmm. Yes. Okay. What what do you think those mistakes are? So if if it was because it's not translatable to, um, to the battlefield, like hmm. academia is not translatable. I think it's that you, when you have these ideals, right? Like you say, these are the, these are like the words that we need to follow. For me, it's like you get blind by saying these are the these West Point didn't have these for a hundred fifty years before this, so, and they're producing officers with no issues. Now. We have all terrible officers from West Point. And now being current day, not necessarily like just yeah. post World War II. What well, they uh, started probably in the seventies, probably. Okay. Well, what? Uh, uh, in closing, what do you think that? What is that shift in values? If, if you had to describe, say, a, a, a few of the values that, the, that you think West Point or just military leadership has gone south on, what would those values be? I think the thing uh, it'd be like this. Today we have the Soldier's Creed, mm-hmm. right? In theory, it sounds great, but we have something the soldiers can stand up. You know, they can know what they can memorize it, and they know what a soldier is. But 
the truth is, you're not going to say the soldier Cree in combat. You're going to be like, oh, I'm a soldier. I'm, I'm, I'm an American soldier. You know, I'm a warrior member of my team. You're not, you're going to remember your training. You're going to remember how to operate your weapon. Hmm. And for me, it's well, that training is going to teach you more about being a soldier than words will. Yeah, I suppose that's true. And, and I'm, I'm shooting from the hip here because I don't, I don't have that military training experience. Uh, so it's hard for me to say what is and is not present. But the only pushback I would have on on what you're saying there, and I don't I don't think it's wrong. So I'm not saying pushback entirely, but I I think that motivation and an understanding of the why question is also important. That is to say, uh, for example, um, I was uh, watching a documentary about George Washington over the break because you know doing Fourth of July things, and a piece of that was a description of how George Washington. Before I forget which battle, but across the uh, Continental Army had the Declaration of Independence read the purpose being uh, a unifying explanation of motive for why the fight was was being conducted. And if if I was going to. The the training is clearly important, uh, obviously, the skill set to to actually succeed in the fight is is crucial but what do you think about the why explanation and the motivation that I think, say, someone like Washington in that case was trying to get at? Do you think that's important or is that not is that not relevant? Well, I, I agree with that. If a general takes his time out to say, soldiers, you know, this is why we're fighting for. Yeah. That's going to be more than here's a set amount of words you must memorize. Okay. I see. So it's uh, it, it's explaining why versus you will regurgitate this. Yes, you regurgitate this thing we put together in the 1980s because this is great for morale. Got it. Reasons. Just Got because it. we want that, hey, I want to get promoted. The good way to get promoted. Yeah. Like, for me, it's like the American soldier doesn't really need a reason to fight. For Americans, we like to fight. Hmm. It's in our nature. And and most soldiers don't really need a reason to fight. Like the truth is like the average soldier, it's oh I'm here, okay, I have a gun, I'll shoot, who cares? I'm gonna do it whatever <laughs> I can to stay alive. All right, yeah. So the idea is like I need a creed. It's for me it's like just watering down to like you're a little kid, so you need a creed to know what to do. Because we want you to be a good soldier. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I, uh, we have a Cree, the Boy Scouts. That makes sense for Boy right. Scouts, but you're a grown yeah. man now. Here's a gun. Yeah, yeah. All right. We well, trust you. Well, thank you for the thoughts. I, I am not a, certainly not like a World War II uh, historian, or you know, I don't have a great understanding of of how those generals uh, of the era sort of uh, exerted their will on uh, future generations of, of military service members. So perhaps I'll have to take a look at that. Yes. Well, thanks for the thoughts. Appreciate it. Yep. You too. Have, Have a good night. night. Hmm. What do you think about, uh, we're at the bottom of the hour. We have, uh, I'd say an average amount of, uh, questions. You think we can do one more call? Sure. All right. St. Steno is going to get last word tonight. Steno, are you there? Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, a couple quick things. You mentioned that, uh, you didn't, you'd never heard of the Guidestones before. I'm ashamed to admit, I know whatever tinfoil cred I had has been erased, but yeah, I'm ashamed to admit I learned of them today. 
Well, just the highlight. I mean, most of the stuff is disgusting, but the highlight, the the thing that most people point to when they say this stuff is like super, super messed up is, and I'm quoting from the stone, maintain humanity under 500 million Million, in perpetual balance with nature. Yeah. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Who is supposed to guide that? Yeah. Now you're, yeah. Okay. All right. I I see why it was blown up. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, two weeks ago, we talked about um, whether or not, uh, or, or what the deciding factor would be if you actually did show up to a library and there was a a training hour. I've given it some thought over the Uh. last two weeks and I can say, I think my line in the sand would be if it was my library. Like your town. Your town? Yeah. Yeah. Where my tax dollars go. Yeah. My yeah. neighbors, kids, uh, you know, my my kids' schoolmates, all that stuff. It, it would be my, if it was my area, you know. I forget what the situation was that we discussed. Was it uh, was it not your library where this was going on or were we speaking purely? No, it wasn't my library, but I mean, it spurred the question. I was yeah, thinking, yeah. I mean, what would happen if that was mine, you know? Yeah. All right. I can't really say for my neighboring towns and cities and all that stuff. It's like, eh, I I can't protect all of you. I can't really. But if it was mine, I think I would. Well, if everyone if everyone was fighting locally in the way that you're describing this, this would be uh, a much more winnable fight, I think. And uh, well, to, to your point, too, if you don't start there, you probably have no business going to other places and trying to take the fight without say fighting for your own town first. But I suppose a lot of people, for a lot of people, this isn't an issue in their hometown. It's only an issue in the next town over. And maybe you want to stop it before it, before it gets to your town. I suppose if I had to challenge your, your rule, but that's uh, fair too, because a lot of people have like, uh, you know, really right leaning or conservative leaving towns that would never do anything like that. But you know, the city next door is, you know, full of that kind of politics and stuff. Yeah. All right. Did you have uh, thoughts on on more thoughts on that topic or any other? Not that topic, but uh, just one last thing. Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of people uh, have been talking about it. Shout out to Mustache Asian. He's the one that first hmm. brought it up to me. Nick Riccata is also going to cover it. Um, Lucas Gerhard has spent uh, about two years, almost three years in house arrest for a joke on Snapchat. In uh, my great state of Michigan, Um, total, total miscarriage of justice. Yeah, I don't. uh, We've had a a caller bring this up before. It might have been you previously. I can't remember. Or maybe Mustache Asian did. Um, Wasn't it Mustache Asian? You could give a brief description of the case better than I could. But I remember talking about this before. He it was something about posting a gun on Snapchat because he was talking about bringing a gun to his rifle club or something like that. Yeah, I don't know the Rifle Club reference, but it was a picture of a gun, and he made some joke about shooting snowflakes, and then he said actual snow, Ah. like, you know, to clarify the joke was just a joke. Um, But we talked last time about how there wasn't red red flag laws in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Turns out it doesn't matter. They can just charge you for terror. It was a, it was a, he's under a terrorism charge, a federal charge. So ah, they don't well, need red flag laws. Always count on the feds. Was it, uh, you said he's been under house arrest for two years. So two years since the charge was brought. 83 days in jail and no trial. 
So I guess his right to a speedy and just trial is out the window. And and yeah, yeah. it's it's coming up on three years. And so this the, the feds arrest. got involved under Bill Barr or whom? Who was running the Justice Department at the time? I have no idea. I don't think uh, would have been before uh, you know our our fair, moderate, uh, rule of law, faithful man Merrick Garland. It wouldn't have been him. Who, <laughs> it would have been someone before, I guess, which is surprising to me that there would have been. What sounds like federal overreach, not that the Trump administration was incapable of such things. It's just they seem like they would be less likely to do something like that than, say, someone like Merrick Garland and his Justice Department would. I know Nick Ricada has said, he didn't say the name in the in the videos that I watched, but he did say that whoever the prosecutor was that they need to be. Uh, I think the word he said was um, beaten in court or something like that. Ah, <laughs> all right. So well, so legally, not not. Thank you for in Minecraft season. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to keep an eye on that. And, uh, and if you learn more, of course, send it our way. And, uh, thanks for shouting out mustache Asian as well. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. All right. Have a good night, man. You too. Okay. Well, thanks to our callers tonight. Appreciate it. And, um, if you were not able to get into call tonight or you'd like to participate, but you can't do it live, of course you can send us an email question. The way to do that is through the contact page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact. Look for the call-in show question form. We'll take your email questions at the end of the stream each week, as we will right now. Uh, Discount Dragon says, hi, did Blonde get a chance to check out my toe? I didn't. I don't even know what you're talking about. I sent her some better pics with with it mounted on a display. The picture from the website is not so great. Kind of a rush. Can you email it to me? Must be. You must have missed the toe email. Blonde in the belly of the beast at gmail.com. That guy over there says reparations. If it happens in short, why should this group of people in this time period get paid reparations? What about the next generation? When is it considered paid in full? Never. Because it will never be paid in full to be paying in perpetuity for things that we're not responsible for. Like, I'm sorry that my ancestors tried to end slavery all over the world. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, what do you want from me? Well, even if I take the worst possible, even if I take the point as true, let's say that my grandpa actually tried to murder your grandpa. And let's Who say, cares? That, let's say that he even, let's say he took an axe. And he tried to kill him, but he only succeeded in chopping off his leg. And that really compromised the income of your grandfather for the rest of his life. He wasn't able to work effectively. And so he couldn't make money in the way he would have with two legs. Does that mean that I owe you, as the descendants of those two, a whole bunch of money to make of up for that? Of course not. I mean, that's multi-generational, multi-generational blame is up there with the level of like, uh, other other tribal stupidity like like witch doctors and stuff yeah we don't do that as a society well we we only do individual justice right and i guess if you if you accept my problem with reparations is is obviously that that none of us have any direct responsibility for for those things but but it opens the door to a lot of other betrayals of a system of individual justice that is to say if if the entire country can be found liable for this thing and we all have to pay for it why could an entire group or an entire citizenry not be held responsible for, say, a perceived crime? Like if you can rationalize why all of us should pay, write a huge check to pay for past injustice, why wouldn't it be reasonable to put all of us in prison for it or something like that? Right. The, the li- Take your point that there's no check big enough that as soon as one check is written, the next check will be, will be demanded. Yeah. 
There's but, never a point where they're going to be like, that's enough. Thank you. Or, or what is the logic against, say, like, if you grant the logic here for reparations, what, what would be the argument against um, corrective slavery? That is to yeah. say, well, white people had their years of uh, enslaving black people. Now we're going to flip it. And uh, just for, uh, say, 100 years time, black people get to own the plantations and you guys have to get to work. Why don't we why don't we try that? Out? I got some people in my comment section that would uh, agree with that. Uh, yeah, you, it's you better be careful which plantation you end up on. If that happens, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, you got this one or I do? Your turn. Uh, morally insane says love your show Matt but you and blonde don't know shit about pit bulls and dogs any animal or person who is abused can be dangerous however you show love and compassion uh, pits and most dogs are lovable companions I know from experience why would you put yourself in such a negative without researching the subject it's oh out God, of character for you so, I've done so much research on this this is such bullshit I don't know what this attitude is that um, dogs are they're never bad that 100% of the influence or, or the dog's behavior is because of outside influence. The, the entire argument's retarded. We don't think about that. Like people, they're clearly genetic factors at play. It's not all environmental. Why did, why does anybody think this? Uh, I, <laughs> first of all, let me set the context here. We had a caller talk about pit bull attacks, right? Yeah. This is being presented as though I just threw it out. Let, hey, let's talk about, Let's talk shit about pit bulls as though um, this was some prepared segment or something like that. It was not. It was a caller who wanted to discuss the issue. Now, um, at no point, I, I, my biggest dispute with this is you're not actually telling me what I or we said that is wrong. Give me a point that is disputed. You're just saying any dog can be good. I, I agree. I never said anything to the contrary. However, there are statistical realities here, and that's why I'm bothered by this accusation that I just talk about things without researching it. In fact, I did look up statistics to clarify when we had that conversation, and if you want more, I'll give you some more right now. Uh, here is uh, some information from Time Magazine. Just uh, This is back in 2014. Pit bulls make up 6% of the dog population, but they're responsible for 68% of the attacks and 52% of dog-related deaths since 1982, according to research compiled by Merritt Clifton, editor of Animals 24-7, an animal news organization that focuses on humane work and animal cruelty prevention. This is not some anti-pitbull organization. CDC report on dog bite fatalities from 1978 to 1998 confirms that pitbulls are responsible for more deaths than any other breed, but the CDC no longer collects breed-specific information. I could go down the line. There are uh, all sorts of meta studies about the fact that pit bulls are statistically overrepresented in attacks and fatal attacks. Does that mean that every pit bull is a bad dog? Of course not. Does that mean, am I arguing that you should be banned from having a pit bull? I am not, though in certain localities you may be. Uh, I, I guess we what should, I have to we say. We should euthanize every last pit bull. I did not make that case, but you're welcome to make that case if you want. I mean, they are dogs that are bred for fighting. If every pit bull on the planet died, um, I, I don't understand what this what this mentality around like pit bull support, where it comes from. It's like you just want to support the underdog, the misunderstood killer of children. Like, like, why are people so obsessed? It's just this dog thing. I'm so over it. Everybody's so obsessed with dogs. Have children. I, I my point here is that. Uh, 
I don't, I actually don't understand the point that you're disputing. And if you're accusing me of being wrong on the facts, tell me the facts that I'm wrong about. It was not presented in this question. I'm not using statistics to say that every dog is a bad dog. I am recognizing the, the statistical reality, the numerical reality that these dogs are overrepresented in attacks. And that reality has to be confronted in any fair conversation about this. It's just the truth. You're welcome to have an opinion about your dog or your neighbor's dog as an individual dog, but that doesn't change the numeric reality that's in play here. And, uh, <laughs> this accusation of, of holding a strong opinion without researching. Number one, the nature of the call-in show is conversations off the cuff. So let's, let's understand this in context. Number two, I didn't do that. In fact, I looked at numbers during that conversation. Number three, I've reiterated those numbers. And if you want to challenge those numbers, go ahead and write back and tell me why those numbers are wrong. I don't believe that they are. In fact, almost all the numbers I see say that these dogs are overrepresented in attacks. No, people do re recognize that uh, the dogs have been epigenetically, not epigenetically, they've been um, eugenically altered in such a way to serve certain purposes so like my brother has a newfoundland if he fell into the water that dog would be just naturally have an instinct to pull him out of the water um whereas a pit bull naturally has an instinct to rip your face off because that's what they were bred for like why is this so hard to fucking understand I, and like I, that has nothing to do with it it's only if if they've received love from when they were a puppy it's so stupid i think a lot of this is um well, how do I how do I say this without getting in trouble? It's taking group data and tr and taking that as an indictment against the individual. What are you saying that all the dogs are bad? No, no, I'm just saying that in this particular group, there's a lot of bad. Yeah, that doesn't mean that every individual dog is a bad dog, or that you can't train a good dog. But we have to confront the reality here, and the 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 reality seems all but undisputed in people who who study this topic. I welcome your counter, though, if you have data. I, I don't say that rhetorically. I'm but who serious. would ever if make you, this argument about children? Yeah, it's bizarre to think that there are no that 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 criminality is. Well, we hear this argument all the time that criminality is strictly environmentally decided. And in all other contexts, we call that silliness. Um, right. But but when we're talking about dogs who are bred through generations to serve certain purposes, then we can say. With, with absolute certainty. It's 100% owner responsibility, their behavior. It's an, it's an absolute insanity. Uh, it, this is not applicable to any other species that people do this. And I, I say this, I'm not being rhetorically dismissive. I say this sincerely, morally insane. If you have, if you want to talk about the research that I'm not seeing, I welcome you to send that my way. Show me the numbers that dispute what I'm saying. If there's reason or that dispute why all of... Again, these are meta studies. These are analysis, uh, analyses of analyses. Mm -hmm. So if you have papers, data, whatever, to say that pit bulls are not overrepresented in attacks, I'm happy to look at it. I've not seen such information. Oh, morally insane. Love your show, Matt. But you and... No, oh, that, I that, that was the last... You just read that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agnostic, agnostic. The question has always been there. I meant human tech as in, are the UFOs terrestrial in origin... And just undisclosed. Is this the dude where like, I need to eat a bunch of mushrooms to understand? Yeah, he's, uh, okay. this is. <laughs> and just undisclosed like we level. did with paperclip, MKUltra, military tech in general, et cetera. And do you think it's ours? 
could we be psyoping other nations into thinking we're in contact and they're not? Also, aren't angels and demons extraterrestrials by definition? I think one true God rules us all regardless. Hmm. This is a, a ketamine level <laughs> question. I don't know what you're talking about. I think the question we had last time that we left was what what is the definition of human tech? He had he had uh, know, used man. that term and we didn't know exactly what he was talking about. As in, are UFOs terrestrial in origin or just undisclosed? I, I guess if it like are UFOs a psyop as in, did we create UFOs to give other countries the impression that we have seen them, understand them or possibly studying them for some sort yeah. of tactical advantage elsewhere. Um, yeah. To that point, of course, I would not put it past this government to fabricate evidence of literally anything and everything. So could I believe that um, aliens, the, the evidence for aliens is not in fact real and it was manufactured by our government could believe that hundred um, percent. So the other question are, are demons and angels extraterrestrials by definition? Well, the extraterrestrial definition is of, uh, on no of, or from the outside. One more time. We're at two hours here of, or from outside the earth or its atmosphere. Well, they, they have to exist in another dimension, right? I don't know. I guess angels. Yeah. So would that are angels and demons aliens? No. Hmm. But if they're not of er earthly origin, then what are they? These are all questions for God. These are end of life questions. <laughs> all right, man. I did my best to live life as a human, but I have a few questions for you before you may or may not let me in. I'll say at the pearly gates and he'll say, your questions are irrelevant. Get the hell out of here. And he'll punt me down to hell where I belong. That's probably my fate. Yeah. Sorry, we, we do the best we can with your questions, agnostic, gnostic. It's just you're you're on like a, you, you are the uh, peak of the expanding brain meme. You've got all those tentacles of illuminated brain <laughs> that we just can't match, especially can't at two match. hours into the show. And or we don't have the um, chemical enhancement necessary to try to comprehend such things. Um, Ineptius, am I up? Yeah. Mm hmm. Would you rather live in a third world homogeneously Christian society, Ugh. say Ethiopia before the Civil War, or a first world homogeneously atheistic society like Denmark or Iceland? Ooh, why? Hmm. Well, um, do you have an immediate answer? Otherwise, I have some thoughts. Well, I. it depends on... If they're asking me if I would. Okay, if, if if is race no issue in this question? It's not a part of this hypothetical, as far as I understand. Because would I rather live in a, a poor, like, um okay, like uh, West Virginia as a nation that's Christian rather than like Denmark or Iceland, probably. Yeah. But Ethiopia, Ethiopia, like, no fucking way. <laughs> All right. Um. Uh, the the point Ugh. that I would raise is you can be a country that is based on uh, Christian morality without even being actively Christian in stated belief. Right. Most of the West is is participating and upholding a frame a moral framework that is. And I know this is a disputed point. Not everybody would agree, but I, I do believe it to be 
um, whether it's as a matter of truth or practicality, something that is basically biblical in origin, something that right. has been passed down from that source. That's not me saying definitively, this is the source of that moral concept. It's just, that's an articulation of the framework that has generally been passed on and on. So I guess what I'm saying is the, these, these secular European societies, or even the United States, as we become less and less religious, we, we say we're non-believers, and I'm sure in our own minds we are, but we still subscribe to a moral framework that has a largely religious origin, at least in its yeah. articulation. So I guess what I would need to know is what are the stated values of these uh, countries? Like you can be homogeneously atheistic, I suppose, and uphold that moral framework sort of um, unwittingly, if that yeah, makes that's sense. True. That's true. Another way of phrasing this is I don't think that you have to believe in Jesus Christ to be a good person. I mean, I would hope I don't know where I stand on that question. And I hope that I'm a good moral person with some recognition that the morality that I subscribe to comes from somewhere and I'm searching out that origin. Right. I don't consider myself an atheist because of that. But if the countries that we're talking about have the proper moral framework, even if they don't understand the origin, I suppose that's acceptable to me. And maybe I would take the wealthy quote unquote atheistic society maybe. Yeah. But as a general rule, I, I, I've seen the way the world has operated. Um, uh, when I say that I know who I want my neighbors to be, and it's usually people of, you know, some type of, uh, uh, some type of Christian faith tends to do pretty well. Yeah. So, you know, and then I don't say that to exclude other faiths either. I'm just saying that in general, whether I, I know where I stand or not on the issue. I know the kind of neighbors that I want. And it's hard for me to pick against those values because I see the types of societies, those values build. And even if it's behind, if you're, even if you're starting from behind uh, other places, development wise, you can bet that long-term those values are going to build something uh, that's going to catch up. So yeah. Yeah. I suppose it would be foolish of me to bet against a homogenous society of people of, of faith because they're going to have the moral framework that's that's going to build something great down the line. So that's yeah. probably the right pick. Did you read that one? Oh, Blonde's mom. Do you have any thoughts on the outing of Jesse Lee Peterson as gay? There was a recent documentary <laughs> hit piece made with several men claiming to have had relationships with him over the past 30 years. I've heard nothing about this. Uh, no, this is news to me. I guess what I just have to say to that's you all, is all, I, I, mean, I can't even opine on this. Barbara Walters wants to know, too. It's probably not true. I I, uh, I don't know Jesse Lee Peterson well, so it would be completely ridiculous for me to even speculate. And I've not heard these stories. So I hate to punt the question, but out of respect for the man, I, like I, him. I feel like I have to punt the question. It would be irresponsible for me to to speculate. But if there's if there's evidence that I need to see, I suppose uh, to send it. My, I guess it's not really my business as far as I'm concerned. I, I But. Anyway, uh, I'm just going to uncomfortably Hunt. move on. Yeah. <laughs> Jared Lamont Holtkins. Uh, he's moved on. Leftists say a fetus is just a part of their body, so aborting it is no big deal. I'm inclined to agree. Now, excuse me while I go abort my toenails at my pedicure and then abort my hair at a salon. For real. Can you even steel man the argument that a fetus isn't a separate entity? Man, so you want me to take the perspective that it is not a, a separate thing, but it is part of the body of the mother. Well, uh, the trouble for me is I would have to ignore the genetic reality, 
you know, the, the reality of your hair or your toenails or those are genetically yours. Um, the, the fetus is genetically a distinct being. It does not share the same genetic, really easy question to steal, man. That's yeah. Well, I, I, but I think, well, to steal, man, I think it's incredibly hard, uh, because I not to steal, man. Yeah. I mean, this is a really easy to refute. So if you had to argue for that position, how do you argue around that that genetic reality? That's the question. Yeah. I I mean, how even how even would you do that? This is why I don't understand the leftist perspective on abortion. I guess I, they would say that it's not a separate entity because it can't survive on its own. Yeah. And to me, that's actually a separate argument. And I suppose right. that's that's the way that you steal man. It is you argue something else. You take the point that, well, life is this. You, you just redefine life. Life is this and that is not life. But to say that it is not genetically distinct from mom i just have to deny the biological reality right. and i don't know how you honestly i don't know how you, you've really stumped me on that one not that i'm the greatest steel man uh the greatest steel manner out there but that that one i don't know i don't know that i can I, I just have to deny biological reality but they do that in a lot of contexts see transgenderism or other settings uh so I guess you just do that. You deny and you pivot. You deny and you pivot to a different argument about something else. That's the best that I can do. Did I read that one? Yeah, uh, no, I did. Hogue says, Madam Blonde, what are the chances that the powers that be are just poking the beehive on the left to stir them up to vote in November? There have been too many big wins in Supreme Court rulings lately for the right. This will bring complacency. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to entertain that as a possibility. Uh, but do I think the Supreme Court is complicit in this? No, that's where I would push back. The yeah. idea that, uh, say, Thomas Alito and company are all part of some big plot. They've been on the court for just too long, too long. How would they even do that? And yeah. I just I mean, the one of the reasons I've enjoyed reading these opinions so much, not just because I find their reasoning and analysis to be correct, uh, but because there's a certain there's just a certain enthusiasm to them. And I know that that doesn't count for my a legal reasoning perspective. But I guess what I'm saying is I can tell that they mean it. You know, it's, they're not, they're not fake. These are not fraudulently written documents for some broader purpose. These are really lengthy, thoughtful pieces. In Alito's case, demolishing every possible constitutional abortion argument that you could ever conceive of. (laughs) Um, In, in Clarence Thomas's case in the gun, not only in the, he writes uh, in a, in his concurrence in the abortion case, of course, and I buy that, but what he wrote in the gun case of just of with reference to McDonald and Heller and talking about how the second amendment is not some second class, right. That has its whole separate set of rules. I mean, it's, to me that the, the things that they're writing are just, they're, they're more than formalities. They're more than just getting the task done. They're yeah. really thoughtful pieces about broad level constitutional philosophy. And I just don't think you fake that, but could I see the powers that be um, operating elsewhere to try to give perceived perceptions of right wing victory to stir up progressive voters? Uh, yeah. I mean, of, of course I could see that strategically. I just don't think that right. Alito, Thomas Gorsuch and the rest are part of that plot. I can't imagine they would be. That would be next level though. They have impressed <laughs> me before. All right, here we go. Uh, 
This is very fitting. Jogger, Jigaboo, Moon Cricket, McNword. What are the most clever or funny racial slurs for white folks that you've heard? Ooh. Honky is a favorite, but Mayo Monkey, Wiglet, and Perm Sperm are new ones I've found recently. What does that even mean? I don't get that one. Racial slurs for white people. Yeah, I don't know a lot of good ones. I actually don't know a lot. List of ethnic slurs, the old Wikipedia. Let's see. What do they got for white? Um... Anne, Anne is a is a is a racial slur for white. Oh, women. Becky is my favorite racial Becky. slur for white people. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, of course, Snow Ape was a longstanding one on this that's on this good. show. That one's good, yeah. Bleach uh, Demon, I like that. Bleach yeah. Demon. <laughs> Yeast Bandit. Charlie. <laughs> Yeast Bandit. <laughs> Buell. Man, this list is lame. <laughs> there was one for uh, Chinese people here. It's Chankoro. J- Japanese called Chinese people Chankoro, but when I first looked at it, I thought it said Chinkaroo. But that is, uh, <laughs> Chinkaroo, I love it. <laughs> that is not uh, what it says. Cracker, of course. Mm. F- what? Ferengi knock is a Taiwanese t- uh, slur against white, p- poor white people specifically. Jin jockey. That's Australian. Is this a prohibition thing? Uh, it's 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 a slang, it's slang for white people who have sex with Aboriginal people. So I guess sort of the uh, Aussie mud shark sort of uh, slur. Okay. Half cast honky. I don't know. None of these are that good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. These are lame. We need to get better slurs. Mayonnaise monkey. That was brought up. I like that one. Yeah. That's that might be the best one. Uh. I've I've browsed through pale face. That's what the Native Americans oh, call on. white people. Peckerwood. South African uh people call poor rural white people peckerwoods. Red legs. Round round eye. The Asians call us. Oh yeah, round that's eyes. a good one. Yeah, yeah. That might be underrated. This is the question we've spent the most time on. I just want to point that out. Touch of the tar brush? <laughs> what? Okay, clearly I've spent too much time on this, but I'm almost uh, through. Uh, okay, I've got to the W. There's a lot. Okay, white ears. That's, uh, okay, that one's lame. White trash, white, and they suck. This is really under, you know, this is totally underwhelming. These are all crap. We need better slurs. I don't have any good ones. Okay. Sorry to disappoint. Clearly the best ones are, the clearly the best slurs are what is in that uh, emailer's name. What was it? Jogger, <sighs> McJigaboo, whatever. You you say the whole thing. I no, can't remember. Don't, don't I remember it ends with Mick N-word. Uh, Charlie says, if gender neutrality is so important, why do gay women refer to themselves as lesbians? Is that what? not... Do you mean like... I don't even know what the root of lesbian is. Oh, I don't know. Like that you Is mean, it a gendered word or is it? does he mean like it's specific to women? Well, yeah. I mean, it uh, it has to be. It's it's It means woman attracted to woman, right? So yeah. the question then becomes... Well, as is the theme of the last month, what is a woman, right? Or um, should I watch that? Uh, it's good. Yeah, I would recommend it. It it is um, largely what you would expect as far as uh, what the perspective of the crazy people is. That said, I got to give credit for the ability to get these people to do interviews. That's a remarkable accomplishment. Right. And the under most underrated part of the whole uh, movie is the delivery 
the delivery skill of Matt Walsh. He is able to say ridiculous. He just has such a good te- a deadpan, sarcastic delivery that comes mm-hmm. off as serious. Yeah. It gets these people answering questions seriously, but to someone who can read his deadpan delivery is, is very funny. Yeah. So uh, that, that would be the most underrated uh, value in it to me. All right. What, what was the, I totally forgot the question. Oh, that if gender neutrality is so important, then how could gay or lesbian people even be a thing? Yeah. I guess it's not, you're still a man attracted to men or a woman attracted to women. It's just that those people that you're attracted to get to define what that means, which is very bizarre because your attraction is not based on their definition of what they are. It's based on certain. Yes, their personality. Yes. All that. But there are biological realities to what you're attracted to. Also, mm. it's not just, uh, well, <laughs> I thought I like, if you're a lesbian, I thought, uh, I'm not into guys until that guy called himself a woman. Now he's really hot. Yeah, really. That, that just doesn't make any sense. That your, your attraction is not based on what he calls himself. It's yeah. based on something else. Um, your turn. XFD. When was the last time each of you cried? Under what circumstances is it acceptable for a man to cry? Oh, I cried today. Was it about Mel? No. Okay. So TMI, but like... I have gained 10 pounds and I cannot, it happened spontaneously. No lifestyle changes, cannot lose it. And I went and I got like this body scan that uh, gave me all of my stats. And it was, it basically just said like, you're fucking fat. That's basically what it said. No, but I work out for three months now. I've worked out six days a week and like really hard. And my diet is good. And there's just no reason for this. Hmm. And it's really upsetting me. So I'm just going to keep at it and hope that. Um, and this here. caused you to cry. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I hate working out. I'm not somebody that loves to mm. work out. So doing all this work and personal training is really expensive. And my bar classes are really expensive. Doing all this work and doing everything right. And then not seeing results is, is just incredibly frustrating. It makes me want to give up. Yeah. So I cried a little bit like right before the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's a, uh, that's a stream usual. That's uh I know. I cry a lot. <laughs> I, I take it you don't cry. Oh, and as in terms Almost of never. when it is acceptable for a man to cry, death of a family member mm-hmm. or beloved dog, end of list. I will certainly cry when my dog dies. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm glad that I'm excused for that. The last time I remember crying was, um, was actually, and I'm, maybe I've shed a tear or two in the interim, but uh, August of 2020. So I'm almost two years removed, but it was the last time that my dad and I tried to climb Granite Peak, which is the highest uh, mountain in the state. And it's incredibly hard. It is incredibly yeah. hard physically. And it's incredibly yeah. hard because weather is such a variable. It's the hardest things. And, and it's incredibly hard because it's terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's the hardest thing physically and mentally I've ever taken on. And because of weather and other variables, my dad and my dad's done it several times through a bunch of different routes. Uh, I've wanted to complete it with my dad because that's meaningful to me. Um, and we came up the, the, the peak elevation is 12,800. We had to turn around at like 12, seven and we had to back off and rappel down and get out of there because there was weather moving in. And, and, you cried? and I cried because of a combination of I'm, I'm getting to that point is the hardest thing that I've ever done. I'm talking like max level yeah. physical exertion and being terrified. Yeah. And to come up short and to know that it's the right decision 
man, it really got the best of me emotionally. But the other reason it got the best of me emotionally is because it mattered to me so much to complete that task with my dad. And I knew that we probably won't ever do that. Maybe we will, but my my dad's, you know, he's 65 or six. My dad's turn. My dad just turned 66. So he might do it again. My dad does a lot of that stuff, but now that you've walked me through why you cried, I understand. It's uh, it was brief. It was no more than five minutes, but it was a combination of physical exhaustion and just being so close to a major life goal with my dad that probably won't be realized, but that's, that's okay. You know, the, oh, that's it's such a bummer. Okay. So death yeah. of a family member, a dog. And when you can't summit a mountaintop because you have to make a responsible decision <laughs> yeah. because you don't want to be on that show, I shouldn't be alive. Correct. I would have been stranded on a ledge like those lesbians and I shouldn't been, be alive. And we didn't even have the booze with us like they did. To, have we talked about I drink. should be alive? I'm sure we uh, have on this show. You got me to watch the show and now and, and this will complete the circle. I started watching it. And because my dad is into a lot of those activities, I told him, you got to check out I Shouldn't Be Alive. It's the episodes amazing. are like 15 years old, but you still got to watch it. It's the oh, best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the audience that is unfamiliar with the show, there was an episode where this dyke was trying to convince this younger straight woman to like munch her box or something (laughs) and so she convinced her to go on this mountain hike that was like way above her pay grade like she she was not she was not a mountain climber and the the lesbian like didn't want to she wanted to save face so she kept kind of pushing her up the mountain until they were um totally stranded on the face of this cliff and then a seven day ice storm came through and so they were totally unprepared and um at one point they uh just sat there slapping each other in the face they had a bottle to work with what was it champagne or something they have one bottle of champagne that they they, that's all they brought for when they summited fucking retards um (laughs) anyway so they ended up getting rescued but the the dikey woman like two or three years ago died doing some other stupid mountain climbing. Oh, I didn't excursion. know that. Yeah. If she would have gotten rescued a second time, she could have been on, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be alive. <laughs> she would have been the only returning person. I know. All right. Well, I'm um, glad that I'm, I shouldn't be super uh, embarrassed about the time that I cried. So no, no, all the people on that show cried. They, they probably did, but all of those, uh, well, not all of them, but a lot of the stories do involve death, like death of a climbing partner or death of, you know, somebody. Yeah, but, you know, you didn't have to get to that. In every episode of I Shouldn't Be Alive, there's a point where they should turn back. And they don't. They don't want to because of the cost, uh, the sunk cost fallacy. There's always a moronic decision. uh, Right. I shouldn't be alive. And yeah, uh, we did not make the moronic decision. And I think that was correct. Um, Anyway. It was good. um, It was good. The, the only I, other, I know this has gone on too long, but the only other I shouldn't be alive and you tip me off to this one too. It's the guy. The Amazon one? Yeah, the guy who um, <laughs> he's been he's been trying to get with this girl for like forever or they were together, but they broke up. They were college boyfriend and girlfriend and this was like, yeah. she friend zoned him and this was like the trip where he was going to slip it in again. Yes. And um, it was not working. Like she was totally still friend zoning him. And so they went on a nature walk and had no supplies and get so lost and she was on ssris because she was depressed and then um she she couldn't take her ssris because they were just supposed to be gone for like an hour so like on day three she's trying to slit her wrists yeah <laughs> and she can't do it so he saves her life he saves her life yeah and, and he thinks that it's gonna be the moment and then she says she's like no we're 
we're still just friends, bro. He got lost in the jungle with her for like two weeks. She's trying to kill herself. He stops her. They get picked up by some random like Brazilian boatman on the Amazon or something like that. And after all of that, I think I think the only thing they gave it at the end was one of those like t- title slides that says, "In the end, They're they remained together, yeah. good friends." Oh, I I bet they I did. Bet they did. Oh my but, god! But you could tell that this was kind of his fantasy. That like he saved her in some kind of yeah. um, survival situation, and then she grew to love and respect him. But she was like, "No, I'm going to slip my wrists, and then we're never going to talk again." After yeah. This, if I anyway, how did this? Uh, how did this become a, an endorsement of I shouldn't be? Oh, it was because what we we cried about. Great story. Right compelling oh, and rich. This show is great. Moving on time. to the actual questions here. Kitchen Sink says, have either of you ever killed and or processed an animal and eaten it? I've grown up hunting uh, and have butchered pigs uh, for family friend for a few years. I think it's a necessary thing to see your food being prepared. And it is a good skill uh, to know how to kill, butcher, and cook. I'm aware that it isn't for everyone, but I've come to see it as a sign of maturity when people are willing to talk frankly about uh, about it or even pitch in. Would you ever butcher your own food even just to say you did it once? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a good lesson for people to really understand um, the the price of eating meat and to know where your meat comes from and, and things like that. I'll do it when I have to, but not before. Got it. That's uh, I, it's, to answer your question. I have not uh, I've not hunted. I've not processed. I've done none of these things. And the reason that I have interest in this now is for exactly what you're talking about. Uh, number one. It's sort of it's uh, I suppose an interest in reconnecting with where our food actually comes from. Right. But number two, and probably more importantly, it's me knowing that if it came down to it and I had to do this to provide for my family, that I'm capable of it as a matter of both skill set and mentality. That if I have to find the shot, take the shot, quarter the animal, haul it out of there, process it, cook it, that I could. And um I, I hope that I can. That's why I have interest in there. I do have a few friends who are into hunting. So maybe I'll, I'll take uh, advantage of this coming up soon. Um, but it's for the re- ex- exactly the reasons that you're describing. It's for understanding where food comes from and knowing that if I have to provide for my family, I can. So that's, yep. that's why I'm thinking about it. Uh, Leslie. Um, no, we should just kill and eat all the pipples. Full circle. We have again, uh, found a way to solve all the world's problems. Uh, Leslie, hi, Blonde. If you look at abortion stats, you'll see that the black population is likely to explode in Republican states. Given your views on demographic voting patterns, how do you feel about that? Um, it's an unfortunate consequence of a necessary moral step forward in society. I, I don't know what to say here. We're also going to see an increase in criminality, which Malcolm Gladwell, who is half black, outlined in his book, Freakonomics, um, it was a reverse case where he was talking about the abortion rate hmm. and how it reduced criminality 32 years, which is the peak age of criminals after Roe v. Wade. On the flip side, and I I don't dispute that that's a, a possible consequence, even a logical consequence of the way the it world matter, works though. currently. Yeah. On the flip side, is it possible that as abortions decline, perhaps family integrity returns or is restored or other factors that play into criminality criminality are mitigated. And that's not to say that it's going to go away entirely. I mean, this, this is kind of, 
oddly enough, this is kind of what I was trying to get at with the Pitbull discussion, that clearly there are uh, factors that play into this from a variety of sources. You get what I'm saying? Like, you can mitigate factors for individuals. Mm. And if we reduce uh, the commonality of abortion, if we reduce the acceptance of abortion, maybe some of those factors right. will I be mean, mitigated. What if it um, reduces the frequency of hookup culture? There are fewer unwed mothers. The nuclear family makes some sort of resurgence in the black community, and then criminality is reduced anyway. Then yeah. will so, will abortion even matter? I mean, the, I, I don't know that it even even really matters. Though. This whole point is moot because correct you can't you can't kill somebody because you're worried about their future criminality or voting pattern. That's yeah. like so deeply That's, disturbing uh, and evil. Thank you for hitting the more important point beyond my comparison of uh, uh, pit bulls and talking urban, about urban criminals. Pit bulls a lot, yeah. <laughs> Uh, because that is that is the crucial moral point is that we don't assess the value of life based on our predictions of how that life is going to be used in the future. We don't assess the value of life based on how we expect those people to vote. We accept as a fundamental moral principle that human life has inherent value and certainly innocent new life ought to be protected for its own sake, not in pursuit of some strategizing about the future. Um, so that is the most important point. The only points that I'm making are maybe additional white pills on that, that, that maybe forecasted poor outcomes that may be a secondary result, uh, mm -hmm. might not actually be as bad as some of those forecasts would expect them to be for right. a whole host of reasons. Yeah. So, yeah. but you'd be, yeah, you're exactly right that the major point is those things are secondary borderline irrelevant to the moral question. Mm. It probably will happen though, which sucks, mm. but you know, whatever. Is it, am I up a, a nice cup, a nice hot cup of tea. If you could go back in time to stop white people from inventing just one invention, what would it be? Assume that, why is it stop? Anyway. All right. Assume that everything else still gets invented. So for example, if you choose the camera, we would still live in the same modern world we do today with airplanes and smartphones, just no photographs or movies. And nobody will ever come up with the same invention. What would what would we be better off without? Wait, I don't um, understand this. Okay, did a white? Well, I guess I'm confused about why it has to be a white invention. But I'll, I'll okay, fine. Aren't um, they all though? <laughs> don't so forget for example, about peanut you, butter and George yeah, Washington really. Carver, and also Thomas Edison didn't really invent the light bulb. It was that black guy, right? I just want to um, clarify. If you chose the camera, we would still live in the same modern world we do today with airplanes and smartphones but no photographs or movies. This is a deep cut. Okay. And nobody else will ever come up with the same invention. What would we be better off without? Honestly, I think the world would be better off without the internet. I, well, I welcome the case. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick something similar, but not quite that broad. Do you oh, have I need to make a case? Um, we've talked about this ad nauseum before, but um, I think that, Access to limited information creates a greater breadth of societal knowledge than unlimited access to unlimited information. Um, like I remember learning so much more from our encyclopedias and I know that's anecdotal, but I just think that there's so much, uh, there's so much on the internet that is not helping people become better. It's highly addictive. It's just, 
too much information. Mm. And it, the, the, there's been a grave social consequence of, um, of turning on screens and engaging socially online. I know that there's a, this is rich in irony because this is my job and everything like that sure. in the majority of my social interaction, but I just don't think that this has been a positive thing for society or the world. That damn Al Gore. He got us. Uh, actually, as as much as you think I might push back, I, I will a little bit, but I think we're actually on the same general trajectory here. Um, I mean, obviously, I think that the Internet as a whole is probably the greatest human advancement of all time. All the world's information and knowledge at your fingertips enables people and our ability to connect enables people to build uh, things and communicate in ways that we couldn't ever before. And I think that that's so huge that I, I wouldn't be as broad as to say the internet as a whole, but to your point, the downsides of the internet are significant and I don't want to undersell them. And I think specifically um, if I were to delete one thing off the internet, it would probably be only fans and, oh, and, and yeah. maybe to a certain extent, Porn. pornography itself. Yeah. And I suppose this is sort of, it's sort of strange to, even hear me go hear myself go into this because as we've had these discussions on this on the stream i've often argued against uh the idea of banning pornography or mm -hmm. or banning only fans and i i suppose it would be a reversal for me to say i wish these things were never invented but if i had to pick something that i think is a a, a technological development that has been net negative it would be those things the reason i emphasize only fans over even pornography itself um it it, it takes the male energy away from where it belongs, which is in, in building families and, right. and sends it into a non-productive place. But the reason that OnlyFans I think is so damaging in particular is because even beyond pornography, it's the fabrication or the illusion of a relationship itself. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, yeah, the, that's is insidious in nature. It's, it's, it? it's the payment for interaction with these women yeah. and the kind of tricking yourself into believing that they care about you and that you're, at least you this have a relationship with them. girlfriend culture in Japan is like IRL, hmm. you know, and prostitution too. And I, I understand how people get into things like pornography addictions. I, I just think that the interaction that OnlyFans has created is of such an addictive and destructive quality that it's, uh, man, it's hard for me to see much on the internet that has been of more of a destructive force than, than that, than that has. I think, uh, well, just the amount of, um, misdirected misapplied male energy out there that that could be going to productive things is not and um i think we've already seen a lot of negative consequences but i think as as this continues we're going to have an entire generation of men who well i don't know and a generation i'm just speaking about the men tricking themselves into thinking they have relationships but the other side is the women too like you have a whole generation of women trying to chase money in this way, you're one day going to wake up 30, 35, whatever. All of a sudden the only fans money dries up. I'm not meaning to take shots. I'm just, you know, it's the reality. Well, it's my only fans is toast now, but I guess <laughs> for these women who are making a bunch of money on only fans, it's like, I hope you're cashing in today because that's going to dry yeah. up really quick one day when, you know, the younger, hotter chick shows up or whatever else. Um, and, uh, you just think too, could any, could any self-respecting man, date or marry an ex only fans woman i think it's no. impossible how could you do that you know that there are nudes or porn or whatever of your girlfriend or wife all over the internet even well, if she's that's true of most of most women like the nudes existing thing but 
I suppose all over the internet. Yeah. But literally like everywhere. Yeah. Um, you have women making themselves unmarriageable for money. You have men tricking themselves into believing that they have a meaningful relationship with a woman when they don't they and don't. paying for it. Again, those are resources that could go to building an actual family in an actual home. Right. Right. <sighs> um, I hear you. You're right. Have I can, has the, <laughs> have those in the audience finally convinced me that we need to ban these things, man. Yeah. I mean, the pitfalls of, of, Controlling these things as, say, matters of speech and association, I think, are also serious. But we have real moral problems uh, because of this, uh, quote unquote, technological advancement. I think the proper cure is people of the moral fortitude to reject it. But when you when you're in a society where opportunity is less and less available and you have a dominating culture that tells you as a young man that you're worthless and any level of masculinity within you ought to be stamped out. I understand why people will get trapped into this sort of thing, especially, I mean, how many times do we talk about this on the stream? Um, I'm a, I'm a young guy who's got good things going for me. I cannot find a marriageable wife. Yeah. Impossible. We, we hear that all the time. So I understand why the appeal is there to pursue something that's more of a mirage than a reality, but. Anyway, I, I guess I got to look up who was it a white inventor of OnlyFans. I want to make sure I'm answering the question. Probably. Well, <laughs> who, started who are it? we calling white? I, I don't. <laughs> oh, 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 ask Mel about that one. Uh, you know what? I did. Uh, <laughs> did you? OK, let me see. No, what did he say to that cop? He said, like, that Jews started all the world's wars. I don't know. I don't know what he said. to the You've cop. never listened to the audio. He's so wasted. It's hilarious. If uh, it's Tim Stokely who started. Uh, only fans. He is a British businessman. So does he have a wiki page? Wiki, wiki. He has been described as the king of homemade porn. But uh, but yeah, I will uh, leave it to your own investigation. Did you say Stokely? Yeah, Tim Stokely. OK, live chat. Anyway. Um, Dangerous spaces. Hey, guys, I'm getting really frustrated when people the left particularly conflate things despite them not being the same. One example is when they use refugee and asylum seeker interchangeably. An asylum seeker is someone simply wanting to to be given refugee status and will only be deemed refugee if they are determined to meet the criteria. Another example is when people conflate educated with intelligent. You can be highly educated dumbass who doesn't know what you're talking about, even in a subject you are supposedly educated in. I'd be curious if there's anything you have observed where people have essentially presented views, ideas, et cetera, as the same, even when they're clearly not the same. I think that a lot of what you're talking about, though, is not a conflation of two different ideas. It's um, it's a deliberate um, labeling process that's just straight up propaganda. I mean, it's just like what happened with its doublespeak or newspeak in 1984. It is an Orwellian tactic. I'm not I'm not actually sure that to the left, a refugee and an asylum seeker has um, any difference. And then the the educated, intelligent thing. Um, I'm sure that there's no difference than there. Hmm. Well, a lot of these things are deliberate as control of, of language, control of definitions, sort of like we were talking about earlier with abortion. If you can control the very definition of life. As in a woman decides what that is. There's a lot of power in that. So I think even they, calling it a pro-choice movement is so preposterous. Well, yeah, it's uh, I suppose it's in favor of a particular choice, I suppose. Mm. 
Yeah, what um, choice does that leave for the baby? But, but control of language is hugely important to these people. I was having a conversation with um with someone about gay marriage the other week, and uh, we're talking about we were talking about it like in the context of Roe. That is to say, let's say that Obergefell, the gay marriage case, was overruled like Roe next week. How many states do you think would go back to outlawing gay marriage? And I think there might be some, but I don't think it would be close to most. I think the vast majority of states would still maintain gay marriage as an institution. And indeed, before Obergefell, I forget what the number is, but a lot either recognized outright marriage or civil unions, a legal equivalent. And anyway, the point of this conversation was it was never actually about the legal equality, as in having a having your relationship be recognized legally, identically to a traditional marriage. It was about control of the term marriage itself. That was the only thing that was acceptable. Civil union was not acceptable because right. it, it went by a different word, even though it was legally equivalent. They had to have the word marriage the word, right. had marriage had to mean two men or two women just as validly as man or woman, uh, uh, man and woman rather. And it, it couldn't be something else. It had to be under the same word, even if it was legally the same. Uh, that was, I, I just, I, I, I see that in retrospect now. I didn't see that at the time, but I see that in retrospect now. It was a battle over language almost more so than it was a battle over the law and how yeah. they, they do that in so many other contexts. I'm sure in immigration, it applies just as much. We want the use of terms even beyond the certain legal outcome that we want. And I suppose yeah. maybe that's what they're yeah. in pursuit of. Anyway, thank you, Dangerous Spaces, for the question and uh, for your call screening help. As always. All right. Um, I think we're good. Oh, we better boogie through these. Uh, yeah, we're good on. Uh, we're good on D live. Uh, let me refresh on tippy stream and then we'll catch up with uh, YouTube and we'll call it a night. Uh, real quick, Mike Hawk. 420 <laughs> blazing. So a horse. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Okay. <clears throat> so a horse is fucking an n-word and the n-words the n-word says i thought i was hung and the <laughs> okay okay <laughs> and the horse said nay that's what he said oh, he didn't wow. say anything about who will be hung oh geez. and also <laughs> the punchline is this don don is an african-american homosexual <laughs> that's the punchline that's funny and like, true okay. i appreciate it don lemon funny is an african-american homosexual thank you for that uh, yeah we're all good sure a uh, little alto low says advice to a mid-20s woman thoughts on your oil strategic reserves being sold cheaply abroad mainly in china secondly to india especially with china using it to fill their own oil reserves um i'm not surprised uh i actually skipped a bunch of these Should that uh that's on my list of stories I need to look more into as I get back into. Maybe the we'll news talk about week. it on Sunday. I, what I kind of advice to a mid twenties woman? I don't know. Get married, have kids. Yeah. Oh, I was asking for advice. It wasn't about the oil story. Yeah, it was two questions. Uh, well, um, yeah. Well, in general, yeah. Find find a high quality man. Make yourself marketable to a high quality man. That will make you happy. It will make him happy, and it will make for a happy family. So yeah. uh, so do that. But this story about um, story about. If people didn't see, yeah, we're tapping our oil reserves and we have been, what, a million a million barrels a day or whatever the figure is. A whole bunch of that, according to Reuters yesterday, made its way to China, made its way to Europe. Mm -hmm. Why are we? I shouldn't be surprised. I guess I'm not. But 
it's another one of those stories where, where it can't possibly be a mistake. Whoopsie, I sent our reserve oil to China. How? I know. How did that happen? Someone had to sign off on that. Who did? Why? They asked uh, <laughs> Karine Jean-Pierre, Jen Blackie, about that. And she said, I haven't seen the story. Oh, she has, really? She has no explanation. She just hasn't seen the story to confirm or deny. Anyway. Stupid Jen Blackie. Um, I got to backtrack. A general grievance. How essential is physical attraction in a match? I recently met a gal, great personality, similar worldview, total sweetheart, but she's pretty fat and I'm not super into it. Any thoughts, Hmm. advice? Oh, that's rough. I don't know. It's pretty important. I wouldn't say it is irrelevant because it's not. Um, However, I would, if, if you feel like she's a really good match in all other characteristics, I might give it a chance with a certain level of honesty. I think there, if it bothers you like that, you're going to have to confront those realities and you're going to have to have some uncomfortable conversations and that really might piss her off. I'm not saying show up and say, listen, uh, what do you think about a gym membership? But maybe you give a few dates an opportunity and you assess if you really have a good match in all the other characteristics. And, uh, and if you do have that match, then maybe you propose some active activities and you see how that goes. I, I wouldn't give Are this. Are you suggesting a trial bang? No, no. I mean, I'm suggesting a, hey, I do this. Uh... Trial beach. No, 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 no. I'm not talking. Uh, no, I'm not talking sexual at all. I'm saying, oh. how do you get her to lose weight without telling her to lose weight? Oh, I thought you were talking about to see if you're attracted to her. You should see. If, okay. <laughs> no, you have to. I was like, wow, this do you, doesn't really seem like something you would say. How do you oh, know you're trying if you're to get her to fat chicks if you haven't tried Surreptitiously work out. I'm saying that's okay. there are probably ways to get her to adopt what may be a lacking in the active lifestyle department uh, or to adopt a, an active lifestyle that she may not have now without being as direct as saying you're fat. <laughs> I mean, if you lose the weight. That's probably too, too harsh. Right. No, that's never going to work. I don't know. Or maybe this is all too much work, but per per the discussion we just had, if you actually find a woman who is sane and has the proper order of priorities, um, I think that a a weight issue is a lifestyle issue in that way is more correctable than ideological insanity. So I would hesitate to say just bail i would i would try to find a way to get her to a workout class or something like that Uh, that's what i would try okay good luck um daniel jagger says breaking billy joe armstrong and tom morello announced the mostly peaceful protest tour featuring breakout stars math boy fly and awake the rapper proceeds go toward the act blue bail fund is that the shooter's rap name? I, I know the Highland Park Is shooter had Fly? some online rapping. <laughs> Maybe he's that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I did see uh, Billy Joe Armstrong. And of course, Tom Morello, all of Rage Against the Machine, is they've been communist yeah. for years. Yep. Uh, Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day saying, I hate America. I'm renouncing my citizenship. Cool. Let's see. Um Toxia says, have to work out for six months to see a difference. I lost 60 pounds in two months and 90 since February 1st. Wow. From 280 to 189. Try harder, pig. Um, but I'm not over. <laughs> I'm not overweight is the thing. So I started doing weightlifting twice a week and then I do um, bar, which is 
which is high rep, low weight training. And I don't actually really need to, to lose any weight. I'm five, six. I weigh like I don't know, 135, 140. Um, but I would like to look different. So like the weight loss isn't that important to me. Hmm. Also, I'm trying to get pregnant, so I don't, I don't really want to do anything too dra- drastic. Yeah, maybe maybe um, it's the type of workout or something like that. Yeah, um, it might be. And also, uh, I have a good diet, but weight training makes me very hungry. Like, that is a challenge, too. I'm yeah. so hungry all the time. Just I'll wake up in the middle of the night hungry. Yeah. Um, mostly peaceful Ooga Booga. Matt and I once made the FBI's most wanted list for dead naming some washed up tyranny. Do you mean training on Twitter? Uh, then we did butt stuff in jail as tradition dictates. Good Lord. Well, thank you. I guess what I just have to say to uh, you is, are you gay? Choke point. The Highland Park shooter didn't use an AR-15. Last I heard, it was a Caltech sub-2000, which uses 9mm. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I guess I had just assumed it was an AR. So thank you for the point of clarification. I, I uh, will have to look into that. But yeah, if that is, if it was in fact the uh, sub-2000, that is a, um, it's a, it's a 9mm rifle setup of sorts, but it, it's not the same as an AR. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm nodding. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, mean Steve, 69. I keep referring to my Mexican coworker as Latinx POC ally, but he continues to threaten me with violence. Please. <laughs> uh, no, stop doing that. Um, Tig G says, cost $60 to fill half a tank in LA in, a, in an 11 Camry. Wow. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, Grant. Um my audio just got so weird. Is something happening on your end? No, it sounds fine for me. I'm just hearing your squeaks. Uh, Grant says, I don't need an officer to tell me why I serve. Um, I find that purpose in the opportunities I have to serve, such as hurricane relief mission last year and any kind of deployment. I find purpose in the here and now. I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah, I I suppose not in general, but let's say you have a uh, a specific uh, battle or something like that, which is kind of what Washington is getting at. It's not necessarily the reason you... Well, in the Revolutionary War, I suppose it might be. But let's say that a war confronts us after you enlist or something like that. Perhaps you need to. I, I just I don't know. I mean, you can. I'm sure you know better than I do. It's not an experience that I have. So I'm just guessing how I would react in such a situation. Point granted. But for me, I'm a big why person. If I understand why I'm doing something, I will do it with much more enthusiasm and sincere effort than if it's just. That's true. I don't know why I'm doing this. I just am. So that that's maybe I'm just kind of projecting my own thinking onto other people. And maybe it's not as necessary as I think it might be. I don't know. Nathaniel Westerman says super chat. Thank you, sir. Behana fam 668. That's worse than 1350. We need a Margaret Sanger of the Pipples. <laughs> Dark. Savvy D. I just Are report there- the numbers. I'm not making judgment. Are there bad humans based on a breed? Well, no, because we've evolved naturally. I I think, um, yeah, a breed would be the wrong word there, I suppose. You're right. Um, but to say that there's no such thing as uh, any kind of genetic predisposition toward a wide variety of behaviors, not just crime, but uh, all sorts of things, uh, all sorts of uh, behavioral or physical attributes Again, that doesn't mean that everybody who is born of a certain demographic or a certain characteristic will be a certain thing. Mm-hmm. It, it does mean that just in general, there are group trends that manifest themselves because of biological reasons. I think that's fair to say. Right, right. Doesn't mean there aren't individuals who defy trends. Just means trends are trends and 
I, I don't think it's good to deny them. That's true. Uh, this is an inscrutable name. TXRD says, I guess I'm alive. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in pain. Slow progress is still progress. True in all facets of life. Oh, it's Darlene. Hi, Darlene. Ah, we missed you. Thank you, I Darlene. you're doing I'm well. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Thank you. Eric Burns Marsh. I think Pitbulls kill because they've been denied reparations. I agree. That's it. I didn't want to go too far into these kinds of jokes. But, uh, but yet here right. we are. Dangerous spaces. Here's a tip. Dingoes are not a good family dog. I know. Neither are wolves. Hmm. Um, justifiably stupid. Feminists and trans activists perpetuate the blank slate myth that humans are born without content or form until assigned. Anyone who has a baby knows better. The pipple the pip argument is the same, um, in my opinion. Yes, it's even dumber because humans aren't bred for purpose. Uh, Lightning Blue Meanie says, pits are the joggers of dogs. Why do you... Hmm. It's not a golden retriever. Also, white women love their dogs way too much. Okay. <laughs> uh, Nathaniel Westerman, do you think Matt needs to lift more? Put one in the chat or two? No, he works out a lot. Well, what, what were the, I wonder what the, the poll results were. Um, I think we're good. Let me reload. All right. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Nathaniel. Um, searching for adventure. Matt and I once cried together. Ugh, I was in him and he was in me. It was beautiful, but neither of us were able to satisfy our lifelong goal of climbing each other's mountains together. That's what I've ever good? read in my life. Um, He's desecrated such a sentimental moment for me. I know. Yeah. My girlfriend loves blonde's directness and Matt, your reasoning keeps me coming back week after week. Keep up the great content. Thank you. And oh, well, Dangerous Spaces is the last one. Kareen is the worst PR person I have ever seen. But she has the most important demographic characteristics that you've ever so seen. Important. So, you know, uh, she really, uh, well, she really balances it out, I suppose. All right. I think we're uh, all set, right? We're good. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us and uh, for your patience throughout the holiday. Uh, we're back on schedule, as I mentioned. So we will be back Sunday, 9 Eastern time, as usual, to discuss the rest of the week's news. Thanks for uh, spending time with us tonight. In the meantime, of course, if you missed any part of the show, you can listen back on the podcast audio platforms that are linked in the description and over on the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com. Speaking of, find everything show-related over on the website, mattchristensenmedia.com. We will see you Sunday night. Have a great week.